All systems go. Hello, welcome and bienvenue. Konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, marhaba. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again. Episode 295 on Sunday, the 10th of September 2023. I'm Phil. I'm Matt. And tonight we're very happily joined by Gary Kidgel. How are you doing, Gary? Why can't I hear you? <laughs> you still there, Gary? Can, we can see Gary, but we are experiencing some technical difficulties in the podcast. Why is that one red? That's not normally red. That one? Yeah. That's chat box. That's not it. I wonder why we can't hear Gary. We literally... We could hear him. ...just said, <laughs> stand by a minute ago. Yeah, we could talk to him in the Zoom. Let's bear with us whilst we uh, yeah. iron out a little technical snafu. It wouldn't be the uh, Armist Inquisition without... Uh, several technical issues. Um, yeah, could you start counting for us, Gary, just in the background? <laughs> see if I can fix your audio. That's assuming you can hear us. I think he can. He can, he's laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just give us a count, Gary, and uh, see if I can get you coming through. You were coming through a minute ago. In fact, we've no audio either. What oh, on earth? Not again. He did this last week. We've lost them now. Oh. One, two. One, two. Right, I'm back. Let's see if Gary's back. How's your audio, Gary? <laughs> Talk to us, Gary. <laughs> Hello? There, there we, we go. Yes. We Am just I had... back? Yeah, we just needed to plug, unplug, <laughs> and plug it back in again. It's It happened last week, that. Oh, that's so weird. But why do it... Then. <laughs> <laughs> then, as soon as we go live and hit record, it decides to crap out. Oh, wow. Anyway... Yeah, there you are. That's the the, the wonders of um, yeah. online streaming, and it's it? made Phil all sweaty. So that's I, good. I was I was already sweaty. I'm now sweatier. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, now thank you for joining us, Gary. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks, guys. How you, are you? You really should have should have mimed. <laughs> if you'd have started miming, then that would have really got me. <laughs> so, Gary, you're uh, you're an author. I never thought of that. Actually. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You're, a, you're an author, researcher. This is your second appearance. I looked on uh, when I was doing our newsletter, and it was 171 last time you came. So it's over two years ago now. So really? What, yeah, what have you been up to in the uh, intervening two years? I've been helping establish a metaphysical library in Edinburgh called the Alec Johnson Library. Wow. I've also been uh, mentoring others as an astrologer and writing a few more talks. Uh, I've yet to decide upon which book to embark upon as my third one. 
I've made a few notes on different subjects, but nothing, uh, I've not committed to anything as yet. It just hasn't felt right. Uh, yeah. So I'm stuck on book two, a bit like one of these bands being stuck on the second album. But hey-ho, when the inspiration comes, when the time is right, I will move. <laughs> the difficult second album, as yes. it's known. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you mentioned some of the talks that you're giving. I was, I was looking... Uh, I mentioned in our communications, I was looking through that web page of all the various subjects that you've, because you've been researching this stuff for 40 odd years. And so there's a wealth yeah. of different subjects that you've given talks on. And there was one that particularly piqued my interest. And it was this idea of uh, Hercules, the Greek hero, and his, his relationship to the Zodiac and what that myth sort of means to to us as individuals when it comes to uh, sort of... Uh, spiritual awakening or enlightenment or the soul journey there's lots of different sort of ways of of um of describing it so that was particularly interested in that so um to kick off could you maybe because we've all got different sort of we're all at different levels aren't we in our understanding of, of mythology and uh, the hero's journey and that sort of stuff so maybe you could tell us a little bit about this hercules character where did he come from um what was his sort of mission how did he end up what was the sort of uh, uh, circumstances that led him going on the, onto this quest, these 12 labours? Yeah, I think I'd like to underpin this with a little bit of metaphysics uh, in that mythology is a representation of archetypal energies which form part of a vast evolutionary design. And the symbolism of myth, whatever part of world myth you're looking at, is related to that particular culture. Mythology contains the wisdom of the various cultures who've risen and fallen on our earth, who have sought to understand, access, and to utilize the energies of what Carl Jung described as archetypes or divine ideas. And they portrayed the archetypes through the various gods, mythic characters, and the scenarios in to which uh, they were projected in the great mythic tales. Uh, Hercules, a classic hero myth, he's the greatest of the Greek heroes. Uh, Joseph Campbell, the great 20th century mythographer, mythographer even, he describes how the heroes of myth respond to what he calls a call to adventure. Something happens in their life which causes them to embark upon their quest. They separate from the rank and file of humanity in pursuit of initiation. Then they return so that they can offer the lessons of their illumination to others as an act of service. Now, the mythic landscape represents the subjective realms of the human psyche. And all the characters found therein reside within us. A... Now, they represent what we might describe as archetypal psychic components. And myth provides us with a map whereby we may explore, understand, and develop a conscious relationship to these. So th there are various characters in 
in myths, including the Hercules one. There are helpful gods and goddesses. There are obstructive gods and goddesses. There are fearsome monsters, arch-villains, tempters, temptresses. There are false teachers. There are wise old men, wise old crones. The list goes on. There are divine messengers, beautiful maidens. And these all represent aspects of the human psyche which become particularly active when one undertakes spiritual development. Now, in the case of Hercules, his call to adventure was very extreme. The, uh, the Greek name Heracles, from which Hercules is taken, means Hera's glory. Hera was the consort of uh, Zeus, the supreme Olympian. They were often quarreling, those two, and uh, that is the symbol of the... Uh, friction or the difficulties between spirit and matter. And when we tread the spiritual path, it's all about resolving these opposites. Carl Jung spoke of individuation, where we unify spirit and matter, light and dark, male and female, and so on. Now, Hera is often putting obstacles in the way of Hercules making it difficult. These are symbolic of the challenges we face whilst in physical incarnation. And these are, are amplified greatly when we undertake serious forms of spiritual development. However, these challenges are what enable us to grow, to become more receptive to the spiritual planes of consciousness, to function as an instrument of the soul. Therefore, they are a good thing. We are all incarnated within what you may describe as uh, the realm of the goddess. And in Greek myth, which later became Roman myth, Hera, or Juno in uh, Roman myth, is testing Hercules, whereas Athena, she is a helpful goddess, or Minerva if you go Roman, she provides Hercules with various gifts and assistance. And this is all describing what happens when we undertake spiritual development. There are challenges which arise over, out of nowhere, but we also gain assistance when we least expect it. So Hercules is driven to the spiritual path or the call to adventure after Hera drives him mad, he slays his three children and his wife. He seeks redemption, and he is informed that the only way he can expiate his crime is to perform 12 labors at the command of his cousin, King Eurystheus. Eurystheus is symbolic of the personality. Hercules, the hero within, Eurystheus is a coward, basically. After Hercules successfully completes his first labor, he asks uh, his smiths to, conduct, to uh, create a bronze urn into which he can hide as Hercules returns, having successfully completed each labor. And he asks the herald to read out the labors to him. Now, so Hercules then is driven towards completing 12 labors. 
the traditional order of the labors differs from the one, the order in Alice Bailey's book, The Twelve Labors of Hercules. And Alice Bailey has taken the Twelve Labors to symbolize the challenges presented to the spiritual aspirant through incarnation in each of the Twelve Zodiacal Signs. She's talking about the final stages here uh, of the soul's journey through matter, what the wisdom teachings would call leading to initiation and eventually liberation from the wheel of rebirth. I think it's important for me to mention that whilst Bailey, in her book, indicates that Hercules then attains transcendence upon completing his 12 labors. That is not the case in the traditional version. He goes on to help Jason and the Argonauts on their quest. And eventually, at the end of his life, he mounts a funeral pyre. And the myth goes that his physical body is consumed and he ascends to the Olympian realms to marry Hebe. And that is all about what the wisdom teachings call the burning ground of initiation, where a very advanced stage of spiritual development, one has drawn the energies of the soul, or what we call solar fire, into the aura. This has evoked the energies of spirit, electric fire, and this coaxes the Kundalini serpent the spine to meet its mate in the Sahasrara chakra. That we're talking about transformation, transmutation through spiritual fire. Again, symbols of myth can be uh, interpreted in different ways, but you can perhaps see how I'm relating my psyche, my study of the wisdom teachings to this particular myth. But it's important when we interpret myth that we're aware that the symbols have different layers of meaning and what the same symbol can have different meaning to the person who perceives it. This is important to bear in mind. As an example, in one of his labors, perhaps the most challenging, he Hercules has to overcome the Hydra, this foul nine-headed monster that resides within a swamp. That symbols the depths of one's psyche and all what the Freudian id, the Jungian shadow, the darkest desires, etc., that have accumulated over many lives. But my Hydra, what I've got to face, would be different from Matt's, would be different from Phil's, because we each have an existential psyche. You don't want to see oh, my Hydra, sense. Gary. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know about mine either. Right? <laughs> Sorry, go on. I couldn't resist. No, absolutely. I, it's nice when it's lighthearted. But, so he's got to perform these 12 labours. I'll do them in the Alice Bailey order right. because he, she's considering them in terms of the 12 signs of the Zodiac. Uh, now, before Hercules begins his labours, he's given various gifts by the Olympian gods He's given a robe from Athena or Minerva, if you do the Roman. Uh, that's a symbol of his vocation. He receives a sword from Hermes or Mercury, a symbol of the ability to discriminate. 
Poseidon or Neptune gives him horses, symbolizing the capacity to cope with the forces of the unconscious. Hephaestus or Vulcan gives him a golden breastplate, arrow, bows and arrows from Apollo. But despite this wondrous array of gifts, Hercules wants to bludgeon his way ahead with his tried and trusty club. And this is symbolic of the fact that we have these spiritual faculties within us that we can access and which can greatly assist us in our spiritual development. And that is what we should be doing through our spiritual disciplines, our meditation and contemplation, our study, our acts of service to humanity, rather than just plodding on with what we have known in the past, because we are effecting a complete transformation here. So if I begin with the labors then, yeah. the one that relates to the sign of Aries, the first sign of the zodiac, is uh, the mares of Diomedes. King Diomedes uh, is a tyrant. He possesses these man-eating horses and he feeds unsuspecting guests to these horses. Pretty gruesome stuff. I'm giving a potted version here, but Hercules basically tames the mares and feeds Diomedes to his own horses. Now, Aries is the sign of mind control and leadership. We say that Aries should function like a fountain of ideas, new ideas which benefit humanity. And... Uh, in this particular labor, it's all about controlling the mind, which is why we meditate and undertake spiritual disciplines. In the Hindu teachings, you have the symbol of the Kata Upanishad with the, hor the uh, horses pulling, uh, pulling the chariot. The owner of the chariot is the immortal aspect of our being. Uh, and the horses relate to our instincts and desires and the, the reins relate to our thoughts and to become an effective charioteer we must control our thoughts and then bring the horses under control because when we tread the path it's all about freeing the mind from the desires the hindus talk of karma manas mind contaminated by desire and it's a challenge for us to do that but it's a very important victory if we can Similarly, we have the Buddhist symbol of the chattering monkey, the way that the mind just forms one thought after another after another, like a monkey leaping around in the jungle from one branch to another. And the mind will assume images, uh, well, forms and colors of uh, everything presented to it. It can be via our five senses, it could be our imagination, our emotions, our memory. And when we meditate, we're stilling that down. We're calming the mind so that this constant chatter can end so we can then hear the inner voice of the soul. So that's the, uh, the man-eating mares. Uh, so, so what was his tactic for, for capturing the man-eating mares? Well, he, he basically did it through, through force of will. Right, and the intellect. He, he, actually, he actually had a companion called Abderus, 
and he was left in charge of the mares while Hercules had to fight the soldiers of the island. And Abderus was actually devoured by the mares. That's a symbol of one who is not attuned to the soul and can't control the low, lower mind. And one's spiritual potential is then devoured. Whereas uh, King Diomedes, again, uh, when we have control of the man-eating mares, he is, he, is, he is effectively devoured. That's simply the lower levels of the psyche, someone functioning a desire in a desire-driven way. I mean, th this is abstract symbolism, of yeah. course, but I, I, I hope you can see where I'm coming from. Absolutely, yeah. The, the tyrant ends up being devoured by his own horses, his own shadow, if you like. As young, you I know, mean, yeah. there's also a nice allusion to the law of karma there, you know, in terms of what you give out, you get back. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And labor two, Hercules uh, must capture this bull on the island of Crete and then transport it to the mainland. This, is, this uh, has got to be Taurus, surely, Gary. It's got to be Taurus. Yeah, I should have said that, actually. My apologies. Yes, right. absolutely. <laughs> yes, one point. And one I mean, point this me. is all about focusing our energies towards spiritual things and overcoming our desires <laughs> and our attachments. And the bull is a symbol of the lower nature in general and especially our attachments. And Taurus is the sign of the zodiac that is the most physical. And it's a great challenge if the soul incarnates in Taurus to overcome attachments. They tend to be, well, spiritual Tereans tend to be placed in situations where they have to free themselves because it's part of the it's part of the challenge. And in this labor, Hercules controls the bull and takes it across to the mainland. It's all that's symbolic of the fact that when we tread the path, we realize we're part of humanity and ultimately part of the one divine life. We don't function at a level of psychological separation driven by the emotions in the lower mind. We don't view ourselves as an isolated, self-sufficient entity. That's the island. But rather, we seek this state of, uh, state of unity it's an interesting uh, symbol, this one. I also think, quite abstractly, there are parallels with King Arthur taking the sword from the stone. Uh -huh. the, sword, the sword is a symbol of the personality. And if we can refine the personality, render it an effective spiritual instrument through purification, through undertaking spiritual disciplines, the soul can effectively extract us from material entrenchment and use us as it sees fit in terms of with its development and the demands of evolution. So, yeah, I mean, these two labors I've mentioned fit really well, actually, the, the symbolism with the astrology. Uh, mm. The zodiac, it can be helpful to understand it, to actually view it as a, an idea that begins in... Aries is consolidated in Taurus, explored further in Gemini, nurtured in Cancer, expressed creatively in Leo, 
analyzed and criticized in Virgo so it can be improved, then it is taken to the world. It is compared against, its effectiveness is compared with what is going on in the world in Libra. It then is taken to the depths in Scorpio as a means of improving the idea. In Sagittarius, it is focused in a way that it can achieve as much as it's capable of doing. Sagittarius is all about aspiration and aiming for a high point. And then in Capricorn, the idea is realized. That's a pinnacle. Then in Aquarius, it should be given out for the benefits of the collective. And then sacrificed in Pisces, ready for the beginning of the new cycle in in Aries. I'm just trying to throw a little bit of light on astrology there. But if we proceed to the third labor, uh, where Hercules has to acquire the golden apples of the Hesperides, this relates to Gemini. In esoteric astrology, it's ruled by Venus. And Venus rules illumination. And these apples, which Hercules must acquire, they symbolize the fruits of the soul, the energies of, of the planes of consciousness where the soul resides, what we call Atma, Buddhi, and Manas, divine will, love, wisdom, and the ability to think abstractly. And Gemini is about duality, and the spiritual aspirant must create unity out of duality, must fuse soul and personality. So Hercules has to find this sacred tree, and he encounters uh, Nereus, who is a shape-shifting god, and he holds him down in the water. Nereus keeps uh, changing shape. He's got Nereus because he can tell him where the sacred tree is, and eventually he does. Nereus is another symbol of the mind, shape-shifting, you know, keeps changing. And when we are able to still the mind, we receive energies from above, from the soul, and this precipitation gives him the insight. Hercules must perform a great act of service in this labor. Service is always important on the path. And he relieves the Titan Atlas of his burden of supporting the world in his shoulders just temporarily. A, while Atlas uh, collects the apples for him, Hercules has slain this monster called Ladon that Atlas is afraid of. This is whole, supporting the world in one's shoulders is a, a very strong symbol of service and taking on planetary karma. Atlas actually wants to uh, leave Hercules holding up the world, but Hercules outsmarts him and says he has to adjust his cloak and asks Atlas to take the world for what Atlas believes in a short period. Then Hercules <laughs> walks off uh, with the apples. Uh, smart guy, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it's 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 uh, it's a wonderful labor, and these uh, these. In terms of its symbolism, these three golden apples, the fruits of the soul guarded by maidens, and uh, Hercules, first of all, has to find out where they are through taming this shapeshifter, which, of course, is the mind. It's only by stilling the mind and looking within that we become aware 
of uh, the higher realities. So that's Gemini. In Labour 4, Cancer, he has to capture the Serenian Hind. This is a gentle, elusive creature that resides within a forest. The forest is a symbol for the unconscious. When you come across symbols like the forest, the sea, etc., they're symbols of the unconscious. And the hind is a symbolic of the intuition, which is a faculty related to the soul. And uh, this one is a real challenge. It takes Hercules a year before he spies the hind and is able to fire an arrow and pin its legs together. A year is a symbol of an entire cycle. It could relate actually to a lifetime, an incarnation. Uh, but the hind is gentle, innocent, graceful, elusive. And of course, we must express grace, gentleness, and spiritual innocence of the heart chakra if we are to access our intuition. Cancer is the sign which rules subjective matters like dreams and meditations, but it also rules maya and delusion. So we have to elevate our consciousness if we are going to overcome this. Right, so, so that's, a, that's a link to cancer then, the, the hind. Yeah, uh, the, the hind is sacred to the goddess Artemis, well, the oh, Greek right. Artemis, the Roman... Diana, who's the goddess of the forest, you know, a symbol right. of the of the unconscious. When Hercules takes a hind to King Eurystheus, he tries to claim it, but uh, the goddess says no way, because that's symbolic of the fact that if we function simply as a personality, we can't we can't have control of these higher faculties. We have to become the hero and tread the path if we are going to do that. Uh, so that's the uh, cancer one. In the next labor is Leo. Surprise, surprise, the Nemean lion. There's this lion that's uh, creating havoc running around the countryside, terrifying everyone. The lion is symbolic of a personality that is not under control of the soul. And of course, these people in the outer world are legion. And Hercules uh, chases the lion into a cave. He finds there are two entrances, but he seals one off, then goes into the cave, chases it back into the cave, and chokes the life out of the lion with his bare hands. The cave is a symbol for the subjective realms of the psyche, the lion of the personality that is not harnessed to the soul. And the fact that this happens within a cave, symbolizes that trans spiritual transformation occurs within, within the subjective realms of, of the psyche. Interestingly, after he overcomes the lion, he wears its cloak as yeah. a symbol of his courage. And similarly, when we tread the path, we are seeking to render our personality as a cloak for the soul. So Leo for one treading the path, Leo should function like a miniature sun. It should One should radiate energy and light to all around. This can be through creativity, through rulership, or any display of what we call wholeness, or what Jung called wholeness, which is related to 
the heart chakra. Leo, of course, rules royalty, and in Egypt, the pharaoh was considered divine. Uh, you had Akhenaten, who instigated sun worship and was depicted as a sphinx. But the Nemean lion, then, is all the... Well, that's the ch challenge of Leo. Anyone incarnated in Leo is who's wanting to tread the path. It's all about getting the ego out of the way. You should still be at the center of things, radiating love and light to others, but not being egotistical about it. Right, a fine line. <laughs> it, 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 I always feel that Leo's, particularly Leo rising, the rising sign being particularly related to soul expression, do tread that fine line there. They are at the heart of things. They're radiating love. They're assisting others. They're like a lion with a pack of cubs. But sometimes the ego can take over. Uh, I'm a, I have a moon in Leo. I was an only child, so I can identify with that. I'm probably the exact opposite now. I'm older, but I can I can identify with that archetype. Certainly, uh, the Leo one and the need to display oneself. Uh, yeah. So in Labor Six, he, this related to Virgo. Hercules Are you a Virgo? Must... Are you Virgo or Libra, Matt? I am Libra. Libra, right? Yeah. Listen up, Libra. Oh, we're we're getting close to uh, yeah. Libra then. So Labor Six, Virgo, he has to acquire the girdle of Hippolyta, the queen of a tribe of female warriors. Virgo spiritually is all about <laughs> service. We say service without seeking reward or recognition and maintaining one's spiritual purity regardless of what's happening in one's surroundings. Now, the symbol of the girdle, it's placed around the middle of the female body. Well, I suppose it could be placed around the male body as well. But in terms of the symbolism here, the female body, this is the area related to fertilization where embryogenesis, fetal development occur prior to birth. And this is all about what we would call the Christ child within, giving birth to the Christ child. Of course, we have uh, Mary and Jesus. We have Maya Devi and Siddhartha, who went on to become the Buddha. So Hippolyta's girdle represents understanding the relationship between spirit and matter and using this understanding to benefit humanity. Now, there's a partial failure in this labor because Hippolyta gives the well, goes to give the girdle to Hercules, but uh, he ends up uh, killing her because Hera has been at work uh, stirring up a bit of trouble. <laughs> so there's a partial failure, but Hercules redeems himself, or partially, I should say, because he rescues the uh, maiden Hesione from a sea monster. This is a symbol of the Jungian anima, the aspect of, well, it's an aspect of the soul within the male psyche or the symbol of the soul. Yeah. He descends into the belly of this monster to uh, bring out Hesione. Uh, like Joseph Campbell. Yeah, well... You've anticipated me. That Joseph Campbell used to talk about the symbolism of the Jonah story with the whale. Uh, yeah. 
descending into the depths to form a self-annihilation so that metamorphosis can occur. Jordan Peterson as well, he's been talking recently a lot about Jonah and the whale and, and this sort of, he's a big Jungian nerd as well. He is indeed, yes. Uh, I'm a big fan of Jung. I've been very impressed with uh, Jordan Peterson's uh, work in that particular er- particular area. I mean, I'd have to say my Greek hero miss book, this one, plug, plug. No, I'm just, but it takes quite a Jungian approach. Uh, the Herculean labors are considered more from a, a Jungian approach than uh, from Bailey's approach. But yeah. I like to think it's a synthesis of the two. Uh, but Joseph Campbell as well, he was very heavily uh, influenced by Carl Jung. So the Libra one then, uh, the best one. now this is the capture of the Aramanthian boar. I don't find Boring. this one... <laughs> yeah, I don't find this particularly... Yeah, just skip this one, Gary. We're not interested, are we, Matt? We're not interested in Libras. Nah. Uh, Libras are the best. Uh, there's also there's another, there's another Matt in the chat as well, oh, right, who's okay. a Libra. All right, if we must then. Yeah. Libra is a sign of balance and yes. spirit. It's about balancing uh, spirit and form as we build a bridge to the soul. Libra rules bridges. We call that bridge the Antakarana or Rainbow Bridge, and this oh. is achieved through meditation. And Libra rules partners, and Libras tend to do well in one-to-one situations, but spiritually the challenge for Libra is to realize who the true partner is, the soul, the higher self. Uh, so the boar is a symbol of desire and Hercules chases it up to the high mountains, high mountains, areas where illumination can occur. We have a better view of things, a clearer view of things from a mountaintop. So he overcomes the boar on the mountaintop he chains it and drives it down the mountain. So in Libra, the initiate here, spiritual initiate, is demonstrating that the lower nature has been overcome and tamed, and he follows a straight path down the mountain, symbolizing the balance between the higher and lower natures. And this then offers one the capacity to unlock life's mysteries, uh, Actually, in terms of uh, Libra, another one I like, resolving opposites, in the <clears throat> the myth of Jason, when he has to sail through the clashing rocks, the Symplegades, they symbolize the opposites of manifestation, and he is able, with the assistance of a dove, which is actually sacred to Venus, a traditional ruler of uh, Libra, He's able to pass through the clashing rocks in his ship, the Argo, and then the rocks stop clashing. I think that's a nice, uh, a nice symbol, actually. It's kind of Libra and Gemini, but that is the Aramanthian boar, which doesn't have an outstanding uh, correlation to Libra, but th- there are elements that, that fit. Uh, Labor eight fits very well with Scorpio. That's overcoming the uh, Linnaean Hydra. The Hydra resides within a swamp, what we would call the lower unconscious. It appears to be conceived from the foulest thoughts that humanity can conceive of. Uh, And there's 
two versions of how Hercules overcomes it. In one version, he's cutting, well, it has nine heads. One is immortal and the other eight are not. But whenever one of the eight are cut off, two more come up. And this is symbolic of the fact that we can't take on our lower nature on its own terms and we can't repress things. They just come back twice as strong. But Hercules, in one version, sinks to his knees as a symbol of humility. He grabs the hydra and holds it up to the sunlight, i.e. holding our personality up to the light of the soul. And in doing this, the hydra withers away and Hercules takes the immortal head and buries it under a rock. There's another version where he cuts off each of the eight mortal heads and his nephew Iolaus then cauterizes the heads with uh, yeah. a burning stake. That emphasizes force of will to overcome the lower nature. Again, the hydra's head is buried under a rock. This symbolism of the hydra's immortal head under the rock indicates that the forces of the lower astral plane are always around. It's just by purity of vibration that we become impervious to them. We effectively bury them under a rock through our spiritual practices. Uh, but th that is a classic, uh, a classic Scorpio myth. Uh, and if anyone's wondering, like, because you said just at, at the beginning of that, uh, Scorpio is, is linked to the task of the Hydra. You just look at the constellation of Scorpio, and it, it looks it looks more like a Hydra than a scorpion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that, uh, Phil. That's nice. I had uh, to check just then, just to be sure, because there is a constellation, the Hydra, as well. But that yeah. doesn't look as as that. The Scorpio looks more than a Hydra, and then the Hydra constellation mm -hmm. looks like a Hydra. Yeah. It's really amazing the knowledge that the ancients had. Uh, I think there's a lot more to be revealed. And interestingly, in the Hercules labors, there were initially 10 and they were increased to 12. And ah. that's because in the, in the Scorpio one, because his nephew assists them, Eurystheus said, oh, you haven't done that one properly. And also <laughs> in the... Uh, cleansing of the Aegean stables, Aquarius, which we're going to come to when he knocks down the walls of the stables and diverts rivers to cleanse them of the cattle dung, a Eurystheus says he's succeeded by trickery, so he mm. gave him another one. But one of my learned friends pointed out, after I'd finished my book, that uh, the Greeks originally had 10 constellations, which were then increased to 12, which is absolutely fascinating, really? of course. So uh, when, was that yeah. when was that changed then? Do we know when they moved from 10 to 12? I, I would have to check the book. I actually have a copy of the book. Uh, Manly Palmer Hall mentions it in his Secret Teachings of All Ages. Uh, right. right. I'm guessing it was in, like, in the archaic period. I'm guessing it wasn't like in, in, in the of 1920s. Course, yeah. uh, <laughs> Again, uh, to digress slightly, you know, a materialist would say, well, this astrology is rubbish. The signs aren't all the same size. People are now talking about a 13th. But my spiritual mentor, uh, Douglas Baker, 
He said astrological energies come about through humanity effectively projecting archetypal qualities onto each of them. And therefore, there's this uh, relationship between humanity and the zodiac. We're part of a living universe. That should be remembered. And uh, when we have these particular thoughts, etc., we create energy reservoirs. And of course, these astrological ones are immense. And as we evolve, you know, the archetypes will evolve. Right. You could say as we evolve, the gods evolve because the gods are representations of archetypes. That's uh, a great way to think about it, that we're sort of projecting with our psyche, mm-hmm. you know, through these archetypes. We're seeing what we see in the sky and then projecting ourselves rather than the, the reverse. I think a lot of people look at astrology when they first come to it and they think it's the reverse, that all the stars are controlling you, but maybe it's more yeah. that us <laughs> as, a, as a whole are imprinting or projecting onto the sky. And we're looking at, well, we live within the body of a greater being. We're effectively looking at the universal physiology and we are as cells within this. But there is a, you know, there is a relationship between us and the greater lives which we are a part of. And that's important to bear in mind, immense lives are operating through these zodiacal constellations just as we operate through our physical body and the solar consciousness operates through the solar system and so on. Astrology is essentially a study of the physiology of the universe from an esoteric point of view. Now, the Sagittarius labor, another somewhat tenuous one, Hercules has to flush these ferocious birds out of a marsh, the Stymphalian birds, they're called. Uh, And Athena, gifts of the goddess, gives him a rattle. He climbs onto the slope of the surrounding Mount Silene and shakes a rattle uh, like an old-fashioned football fan. And the sound of the rattle causes the birds to come out of the swamp and he destroys them with his arrows. So... I take the going up the mountain, shaking a rattle, elevating one's consciousness and the vibrations of the soul are too much to what is to, for what is in the lower unconscious to deal with. So it's effectively flushed out. And then the Sagittarian arrows of aspiration uh, kill the birds. It's, it's, this labor to me is about spiritual cleansing, uh, and Sagittarius is the archer. He's firing these arrows of aspiration. But Sagittarius is also half man, half horse. And uh, the lower nature must be dealt with. We always say there are practical lessons to be learned in Sagittarius before one becomes whole. There's a blending of the higher and lower aspects of humanity. Sagittarius is the sign of alchemy where the human personality, symbolized as the base metal, is fashioned into the uh, immortal, eternal, incorruptible gold. Uh, And the Stymphalian birds, as I say, uh, negative thoughts, desires, and so on, and these must must be forced out. I mean, just looking at so it, because you mentioned um, it was, it was shooting down the birds. 
Mm. And yeah. when when you look at, I'm just looking at um, if a picture of the northern sky and where Sagittarius is sort of rising above the horizon, you've got Aquila and uh, another bird constellation that named escape Cygnus, Aquila and Cygnus, sort of directly above in some situations. So I wonder if that's Look, been incorporated. I, I, I really, I, I love what you're doing here, Phil, because when you study myth, that's how you do. You ask yourself what this the symbols mean to you, and you make associations. Right. That is how the higher abstract mind works. It's beyond the intellect. I mean, it, it might sound like schizophrenia to a materialist, but that's basically how it works. Uh, yeah. You put, we ponder over these things, we make associations. Same when we look at tarot cards, you know, uh, symbolic of, uh, well, you have the fool's journey in the tarot uh, and you can look at the symbolism of the cards and affect certain realisations. But I always emphasise it's, it's what the symbols mean to you as an individual. And that meaning will change. And similarly... Those symbols would have meant different things to the Greeks, to us, because, well, we have the benefit of modern psychology. Right. Yeah. But, of course, we can never be definitive about myth. They shouldn't, myth shouldn't function as dogma. There's no definitive answer because the universe is in the state of flux and generations that succeed us will affect different interpretations because... The world will have changed. You no know, AI, well, AI is here now, but it's going to become a hell of a lot more advanced. We're going to have a metaverse and so on. But <laughs> I, the symbolism of the myth, the archetypes that the myth represent will not go away. The archetypes will just be expressed in different ways. Yeah, right. Yeah, they'll adapt. Or will like we'll adapt. Uh, so, Labour 10 Capricorn, he has to descend into the hell worlds to overcome the three-headed monster dog Cerberus. Right. Cerberus is a symbol for what the wisdom teachings call the dweller on the threshold. The Hydra is too, but the Cerberus one is the final confrontation. The dweller is the sum total of the personality attributes that have accumulated over our many previous lives. And the dweller on the threshold blocks the threshold of initiation into higher states of consciousness. And Capricorn is a sign of spiritual initiation, but it, it rules burdens, difficulties, long-standing karma, but also <laughs> responsibility, patience, endurance. Uh, and these are all relevant to the Capricorn archetype and to the spiritual initiates. And in the in this labor, he descends uh, into the realm of Hades or the Roman Pluto, and uh, Hades asks Hercules what he's doing within his realm, and Hercules says, "I'm here to overcome Cerberus." So uh, Hades says, "Well, on you go, you know, take him on with your bare hands," which he actually does, and of course, this three-headed monster dog. Uh, you know, whenever we're, when, when we're seeking to fulfill a quest, I'm talking generally, not just spiritually, that monster dog is everything within our psyche that could hold us back, or this is too damn difficult, or I'm not feeling that well, I'm bored, and so on, or what are other people going to think of me, and so on, you know, and uh, Hercules just 
drags Cerberus out of hell and, and takes him to uh, Eurystheus, who pleads with him to to take him straight back down there. So that's the overcoming of the hellhound, the spiritual initiation. Right. Then in the eleventh labor, which can I just uh, sorry, sorry, Gary, can I just interject there on the tenth? Of course you can. You mentioned. Yeah. Um, that it was uh, um, represented a doorway. And I just had a, a thought from a more prosaic point of view that Capricorn's the end of the year, isn't it? And you have this start of end of one year and the start of another. It's like a gateway to another year. And also, it is, yeah. <clears throat> and also the three headed dog, um, Harry Potter fans. So in Harry Potter, and I think it's the Chamber of Secrets, there's a three headed dog called Fluffy. Fluffy, who guards the entrance to the Chamber of Secrets for Hagrid. Yes. So J.K. Rowling was a, a, she's a bit of an esotericist on the quiet. I think. Yeah, she is. Yeah, I think a closet one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So go on. Uh, uh, C.S. 11. Lewis as well. You know, if you watch the uh, Narnia, read the Narnia books, or what? Watch the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. What an amazing symbolic depiction of the spiritual path. Uh, right. Absolutely incredible. Uh, I always wonder if uh, the actors and actresses in that film realise how profound that symbolism is. Uh, absolutely incredible. I doubt uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, I interrupted so, you. You were going on to number no, 11. No, he had, then has to cleanse the Aegean stables. These stables, King Aegeus keeps these stables that are filled with cattle dung and Hercules has to cleanse them within a day. And what he does, he, he sees there are two rivers flowing nearby, so he creates holes in the stable walls and diverts the course of the rivers. Sounds like an easy thing to do. And then the rivers wash out all the dung. So Bailey relates the dung to all the negative thoughts and actions of humanity but on an individual level, it's about the waters of knowledge or the waters of the soul cleansing out all the dross and negativity within the psyche, cleansing of the uh, the lower unconscious. Uh, because they, they, these uh, royal stables have never been cleaned, so there's a foul stench pervading the entire land and crops cannot grow as a result. Uh, but Aegeus had promised Hercules a tenth of his cattle if he could succeed. Uh, but he then reneges on that uh, because he states that Hercules has succeeded by trickery and banishes him from the land. But this is that banishing from the land, that's symbolic of the fact that people with a materialistic perspective are never aware of the work of the spiritual initiate. They're not aware of higher things. Uh, it's interesting, this cleansing of the land, because it makes me think of uh, the Grail legends, because the main king or the fisher king had to, has to be healed so the wasteland can be redeemed. Uh, right, I that's mean, the, the Grail start. Legend... So that's like the start of the reason for the quest, isn't it? Is that the land has been turned to blight and the the sun cannot yeah. be seen and the crops aren't growing. I mean, basically, that's that's uh, spirit coming into matter. 
you know, in the Grail legends, you have this wounded king who's our spiritual essence, but he can't express himself because the soul has to be developed. We have to display the qualities of the questing knight. Right. But, you know, whether you're looking at Parseval or you're looking at Galahad, which is more Christian mysticism, uh, the virgin knight who possesses great courage, honour and virtue. Uh, but, yeah, it's all about uh, allowing, creating conditions where spirit can then realise its potential in matter. That's the redeeming of the wasteland, of course. Uh, can I just ask you but, something quick, just before we go off Arthur? Yeah. There's a story of, I think it's Parsifal, who gets to the Grail Castle and he fails at the final hurdle because he, 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 he doesn't answer, ask the question. Are you familiar with yeah, this story? Yeah, who does the Grail serve, yeah. Yeah. What's that telling us, that, that sort of reluctance to ask the question? Do you think? Well, I think at that stage he's simply not yet ready. Uh, you know, I think he's then got to go on and undertake these various adventures. He meets the hideous Grail Maiden, Kundry, in the Wolfram version, right. who's a, in some ways she's like Medusa in that uh, to get to the light, you have to go through the darkness and we have to look at the darkness within ourselves and all the ugly aspects within us right. before we can then access the spiritual. In the Medusa myth, of course, when she is decapitated, Pegasus emerges and uh, Perseus can then uh, ascend to the Olympian heights. And uh, similarly, when Parseval uh, is able to relate to Kundry, etc., he finds his way to the Grail. And event, you know, and uh, the Fisher King is healed, etc. Okay, jolly good. Now we've saved the best one till till last, haven't we, Pisces? Uh, this one doesn't have a particularly <laughs> strong relationship to Pisces. It's yeah. a it's a cattle of uh, Gerion, the three-headed monster. A now in this particular labor, Hercules. Uh, must take these cattle and take them across the land. Uh, Alice Bailey saw the cattle as symbolising the lower natures of humanity and Hercules functioning like like a Christ-like figure uh, in uh, in overcoming these and controlling these. Uh, and th this labour is related to a great act of sacrifice. Uh, in this labor, you have Hera creating problems in terms of uh, Hercules uh, getting the cattle to his destination. Uh, he's tested. He has to overcome cattle guardians, a shepherd and a two-headed dog who is related to Cerberus. Then the monster Gerion attacks uh, Hercules, but he overcomes the monster. Pisces rules the depths of the psyche, right enough. My mentor, Douglas Baker, would say, when Pisces is rising in the chart, the ascendant, the Pisces individual has to go through hell to achieve their paradise because <clears throat> Pisces rules the heights and the depths, basically. But Alice Bailey saw she's looking at those labors as the soul's final round on the zodiac, what we call the uh, 
progression around the cardinal cross, uh, whereas you can look at the labours simply in terms, well, anyone can look at them in terms of the astrology or in terms of psychological challenges that they face. Uh, they can look at them in terms, well, obviously the inner and the outer are connected. Uh, you know, some of these characters that Hercules is facing, we might find them uh, at work, uh, for example, a boss at work or somebody who's difficult, perhaps someone in the family, you know. Uh, it, it, you know, it's uh, it's amazing the way these uh, challenges come to meet us. Uh, and, of course, treading the spiritual path, it's not necessarily glamorous. It's the difficult lessons, the challenges that enable us to grow. But Alice Bailey then said Hercules was elevated to the stars. There's also an important aspect of the Hercules myth where he frees Prometheus. And Prometheus is a symbol for humanity. He's He tricks Zeus with the cattle and uh, the bones, you know, giving food to the gods. Because previously the gods and humanity have have ate together. That's prior to the fall, the Christian fall. You know, humanity comes into matter. And Prometheus tricks Zeus uh, with the, with this cattle. Uh, he cut, he uh, has to, he offers Zeus a, a choice between two piles of the animal and Hercules has disguised the animal's bones with fat and Zeus chooses the wrong one. So later, however, Prometheus is able to steal fire for the, from the gods, but then he's chained to a rock in the Caucasus where a vulture picks his liver during the day. So Prometheus is a symbol for humanity coming down to matter, and the vulture is a symbol for the five senses and the spiritually excruciating they have, effect they have on one who is driven by their desires. And we must effectively evoke our Hercules to free our Prometheus, so to speak, <laughs> uh, and then we can access the fire of the gods. Uh, wow, the eternal flame guarded by, you know, the Vestal Virgins and whoever else throughout history. Well, th this is it, yeah. I mean, you know, fire is a symbol of transformation and mm. uh, our uh, universe in esoteric writings is described as a sea of fire. There's a famous Bailey book, a very abstract one called The Treatise on Cosmic Fire, probably one of the most important esoteric books ever written, um, so, yeah, so that's a sort of potted version of the uh, Hercules or Heracles myth in terms of the 12 labours. That's fantastic. You know, Gary, one thing that strikes me about these Greek heroes like Heracles and Perseus, for example, is yeah. which I think is relevant, is that they all have, um, they're all sort of semi divine or demigods. They have a, a, like a material, um, physical, Persona plus a divine or higher self. They yet yeah, it's very common in Greek myth for the hero to have a mortal mother and either a divine father, usually Zeus, or to be of divine lineage, and that's symbolic of our essential duality of spirit and matter. And we must resolve these through the. Uh, Coniunctio of the alchemists, the individuation of Jung, the initiation of the wisdom teachings. That's, I'm, I'm really pleased you mentioned that. I ought to have 
mentioned that. You're right, because uh, like in the Perseus myth, Zeus is his father, as he is uh, Heracles. Theseus is fathered by Poseidon. You know, we find this is very common. Yeah. How So do we know how far back this myth goes? I mean, is there like an earliest written record from like Hesiod or Homer or someone? You're testing me, but I think we're going back to maybe five, six hundred BC. But of course, was there a character before an actual Hercules? Usually there's an interaction between events and archetypes. I mean, you could look at uh, Jesus Christ rather in this way, uh, Another semi-divine, you know, mortal, but with a divine nature. Yeah, exactly, nature. yeah, very much so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just wonder, yeah, you mentioned that there might be something based in, like, a real, almost an in historical Hercules. Because, I mean, I was thinking back, going back to, like, um, some of the early Greek stuff, um, Alexander the Great, like, his parents, they claimed... Um, genealogy from i think his mother claimed to be a descendant of achilles and it's pretty secure now that the trojan war did happen mm-hmm. about twelve thousand yeah. bc and there the, could well have been someone called achilles you know fighting there yeah so i just it just makes you wonder if there was actually a, a heracles somewhere back in the midst beyond the historical veil and now we're talking we're about him three thousand years yeah. later i don't know What's the so, yeah, well, it's been a pleasure uh, going through this with you lads, yeah. and thanks very much for inviting me. It's been fab, yeah. We've just rocked up past an hour. Mm-hmm. For, uh, people in, in the chat have been saying uh, they've learned loads. Yeah. They've learned loads of stuff. Oh, well, so. that's brilliant. Uh, you really my packed book's in. My book's available, douglasbakerbooks.com. All right, douglasbakerbooks.com. Um, can you send me the link? I've got your website I'll up. In, I'll put a link in the chat, actually, yeah. Uh, Mm. Yeah, I've that got, would be the best way. I've got. Hey, I'll, I'll make you laugh. I used to have it on my astrology website, but because I I don't have e-commerce, I had different options for people buying the book either here or abroad. Right. And I was finding that people kept getting it wrong, you know, <laughs> paying for the wrong one. Right. So I ended up giving up. But I'm just gonna go to it. Here's a. Uh, here it is here. Let me just go back and put this in the chat. What is it? Douglas Baker, was it? DouglasBakerBooks.com. It's in the chat now, Phil, so if you want to pass that on to any interested parties. Claregate Books, is that it? Uh, I'm just looking. It's well, just Douglas Baker. There's a separate Claregate site, oh, but this is it. DouglasBakerBooks.com. Yes, I've got it. I've got it. Mm. I shall. I'll put a link in the description and in the show notes for anyone who wants to follow up. Because mm. I, I did put your website in. Because I mean, um, that's another for people who want to um, contact you regarding astrology and uh, birth charts and Absolutely, all that sort of thing. Yeah. The uh, websites are in the show notes if you want to do that. Uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes for the uh, the bookshop as well. Wonderful. Well, this has been great, Gary. Okay. You, mm-hmm. you packed in a ton well, of information in there. And uh, I, I tried to, you know, get, give potted versions and cover as much as I could. So I hope everyone's enjoyed it. I'm sure they have. Um, stay on the line for us for one minute, Gary, while we play ourselves out. 
And okay. uh, the rest of you out there in YouTube land will be back very shortly for uh, some news in part two and some housekeeping. Okay. Take care. See you soon, guys. Right, then we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the giant fucking lenses. If you just joined us, that was our chat with Gary Kidgel. Mm. You can't kid a Kidgel. Can't kid a kiddie. <laughs> no, it, was, uh, it was interesting. It was like a whistled stop tour. Arthur for her? Yeah. A whistled stop tour. Are you from the Galactic Trade Federation? I think you're just rubbing off on me, yeah. <laughs> Sorry uh, about that. <laughs> yeah. It, it probably won't stain. And uh, a bit, quite a lot of overlap with Dave Matheson as well, <coughs> I feel. Yeah, the astrotheology. Yeah, in terms of the, you know, the interpretations of it all. And the yeah. symbology and the constellations, importantly. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, w- I want to see Gary Kitchell deconstruct the three amigos. <coughs> I guess it's, I bet it's full of esoteric and occult symbolism. I imagine so. Yeah. All of Chelsea, Chase's work is. Chasey? <laughs> Chevy, I can't talk, can I? What's wrong with you? I don't know. Is it the heat? Maybe. His brain's melting. Yeah. It's probably just because I've been away yeah. for a couple of weeks, you know, doing fun things. Yeah, and doing uh, meditating. Oh, hi, 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 hi. That's what you're doing, weren't it? Sat on a mountain. Lotus position. What was the uh, guy who was chained to the boulder on the top of the mountain and got his eyes pecked out called? It was liver and it was Prometheus. There we go. Vulture was uh, constantly, forever, pecking at his liver. Yeah. yeah. That's what I've been doing for two weeks. Awfully, <laughs> very uh, precise well, myth. Why the liver? <laughs> you know, there must be some meaning. What does the liver symbolise? Oh, alcoholism. Probably. Maybe not. Well, I don't know. Regeneration, isn't it the only, or maybe not the only organ that regenerates? Some people consider your skin to be an organ, don't they? Mm. Yeah, I don't know if I believe that to be true. (laughs) (laughs) Do you? Um, Well, I don't know. I've probably heard better qualified people (coughs) than you say it is. What about uh, another regenerative organ? What about the testicles? Look at the size of that, those testicles. About them, do they regenerate? Uh, not mine. They no. must stay. You see those videos of people getting stamped to pieces. On yeah, the old, the old ball I mean, do you think there's like a, a pressure? Do you think that the? Do you think actually step on a testicle, or Ooh. do you step on the skin between the testicles? It's making me. Can you not rupture a testicle? I'm sure you can. Yes, don't try that at home. Be my advice. Yeah, mine too. Right, let's move on quickly. Let's do some. Uh, I don't know if we'll. I, I don't know if we'll uh, get time. Maybe later to talk about me being the victim of fraud this week. <laughs> Banking fraud. Really? Yeah, yeah. Maybe later if we've time. Let's do some more. Do some headlines in the meantime. I was at the bank for two hours on Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Capital letters. A big news story. Headlines of the week. What have we got? Yeah! 
Yes, diarrhea plane. Poo done it. Passengers extreme diarrhea in front of horrified travellers forces plane to make emergency landing over biohazard. Have you got the video? No, there was nothing in the video. There was a trail of poo up the aisle. Oh, use your imagination. I'm sure we can all picture what a trail of diarrhea in the middle aisle of a 747 looks like. Mm. And then sort of the captain with a, a voiceover. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I wanted to see a video of the man. I'll take it as a man. Exploding. Exploding down the aisle. <laughs> Imagine the shame. You're going to have to go back to your seat now, sir. As we land, as we turn, you make this emergency landing because you've shat everywhere. I mean, the shame of the gas mask being dropped from the overhead compartment. (laughs) Because of your stench, your foul, which myth, that's like cleaning the Aegean stables, wasn't it? Those air holstesses, poor lasses. Yeah. Wow. And ladettes. Yeah, that must have been a Herculean effort to get the plane ready for the next flight. Wow. A plane was forced to make an emergency landing after a passenger's extreme diarrhea was deemed a biohazard. The flight from Atlanta to Barcelona was two hours in when the traveller had the runs all the way through the plane. The pilot had to turn the plane round on Friday. Friday? This is last Friday as well, isn't it? Yeah. Gosh, it's an old story. Uh, as horrified passengers held their noses. Speaking to air traffic control, the captain said, <laughs> Oh, sorry, uh, what should I do? Uh this is a biohazard issue. We've had a passenger... Where's the uh, captain from? Was he from Texas? Oh, I want him to be from Barcelona, please. Oh, uh, uh, This is a biohazard issue. We've had a passenger who's had diarrhea all the way through the plane. So they want us to come back to Atlanta. <laughs> Flight attendants on board attempted to scrub the mess before the plane landed. But according to those on board, the disinfectant spray didn't quite do the trick. No. One woman whose partner was on board tweeted, It was pretty bad. <laughs> it was dribbling down the aisle. It smelled horrible. The vanilla-scented disinfectant used on it only made it smell like vanilla shit. Well, we all know, don't we? Like, you know, particularly Pongy Poo. And if you spray some links afterwards, that or toothpaste... Oh, that's a catastrophic mix. Toothpaste and diarrhea. Oh, like poo smell, yeah. You never had, you know, never been into the bathroom after, say, a parent or a loved one has done a poo and brushed the teeth in the morning. Oh, gosh, right. That aroma, that mixture of aroma. Maybe, you know, smoking 500 cigarettes a day has destroyed your ability to smell such <laughs> mixtures. But, in, you know, a normal person who doesn't smoke, a normie. More fool you. Yeah. Uh, that's a horrendous mixture. Wow. All right, I'll try it in the morning. Okay. Because, you know, you can my, my cubit of shit comes out <laughs> regularly at half seven every morning. Yeah, but so you, it, I'll make sure I brush my teeth at the same time. We all know that our own shit smells better than other people's shit. Does it? Yeah. It's a thing. Right. So. Do you ever smell the paper when you wipe your bum? <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do, don't you? You give it a little. Just make sure you're not dying. That was that's <laughs> too weird to not be true. That <laughs> you do that, you fucking. Creep. Oh yeah, you got to make sure everything's going on. You know, what if it smelt really sweet? Oh right, you know, like that when mean, you, when that you... mean you like something wrong with your liver? Oh, your bile, it's, it's like it? when you, if you've ever had dogs, occasionally that you get a sweet whiff off them. It'll smell sweet, and you think, oh, Christ, it's deli belly or something. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, getting distracted by the comments. 
Oh, fuck. Well, poor guy. Um, I yeah. wonder if it was something he ate. Did you have the fish? <laughs> <laughs> it's like an airplane, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, they all start dropping like flies yeah. and the pilots pass out. Mm. Captain over mm-hmm. and co-pilot under. Mm-hmm. Roger. Roger over. <laughs> I don't know. I'm Do you not, remember that? I'm oh, not an airplane expert. There's such you. a great wordplay between the the pilot, the co-pilot, and the I think it's the air traffic control. Those are the, the names that they have, Roger Over and mm. Co-Pilot Under or whatever. It's great. Ah, oh, pick the wrong day to stop snorting crack. My wife once got the shits in Morocco. Right. She uh, had a seafood pizza. Oh, well, that's just, that's stupid. I know, yeah. In a foreign country. <laughs> I said don't order a seafood pizza here. And she saw it afterwards as well. Yeah, I mean, it was just horrendous. Was it explosive? Uh, she was just very ill for like days. Days? days. Holy shit! <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> was the onset immediate? Has she even finished eating? Uh, no, I think I think it was like the day after or something, or wow. maybe when she got back. Yeah. Right, some sort of bacterial thing. It was infested. just. Yeah, I mean, it was just yeah, it was atrocious. <sighs> oh my god! Oh my god! Ah oh, well. Anyway, let's uh, let's check out the next headline. What's uh, coming in next? Oh, this is from Scotland. Some crimes will no longer be investigated in police pilot project. <laughs> <laughs> the learning from certain cities, particularly uh, on the on the west coast in uh, the states, because it's going so well over there. Oh God, you have heard stuff about San Francisco. Oh, you can steal anything up to a grand. I think you won't be prosecuted. It's like people breaking into cars. Constantly. Yeah, you will not be prosecuted. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Police, and so we're going to try it here. Police Scotland say crimes where there is no associated threat, risk, harm, or vulnerability will not be taken any further. So let's get some details. Once I've had a quick refreshment. Some minor crimes. What are they? In the northeast of Scotland. We'll get there. Patience. Northeast. It's a virtue. Channel your heart chakra. There's nothing, there's nothing in the northeast of Scotland, is it there? It won't be out soon. <laughs> will no longer be investigated by police under a new pilot scheme. Police Scotland say crimes where there is no associated threat, risk, harm or vulnerability will not be taken further. An example given of a crime where no further action will be taken is garden theft. Oh, no. Yeah, in a statement, Police Scotland said, if there are no proportionate lines of inquiry, such as CCTV or eyewitness evidence, then... We may inform the caller that the reports will be filed and no further action taken. The force says the new approach, which was previously rolled out in Grampian, will give officers more time to focus on proportionate lines of inquiry, responding to emergencies and keeping people safe from harm. Hey. Appropriate measures will be taken to ensure safety and well-being when incidents involving public risk, harm or vulnerability are reported. So I guess if the guy's stealing your lawnmower and you're in the way and he's threatening you with violence, they might take you on. <clears throat> yeah, if you're ringing them. Yes. <coughs> Maybe not. Mm. Uh, the statement also said hard choices will be made in response to real terms, the real terms reduction in our funding allocation between 2023 and 2024. So not enough money. You don't have enough money. The force stated... Action is also being taken to achieve savings with areas which encounter the greatest demand and carry the greatest risk, 
in keeping people safe being prioritised for resources. Uh, but ultimately, this is about getting people the right help when we are contacted and will enable us to spend more time tackling crime, responding to local concerns and keeping people safe. That's nice. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, Divisional Commander, Chief Superintendent... (laughs) Superintendent! Superintendent! Super Nintendo Charmers! (laughs) Divisional Commander, Chief Superintendent Graham Mackey said, The pilot process will enable local police officers to focus on those crimes that have proportionate lines of inquiry and potentially enable them to give more time to local concerns and priorities in the area. We we also know... Eastern Europe or Eastern Scotland. Where's Gary from? Dumfries, did he say? Yeah. Yeah, Eastern Scotland. We also know that sometimes people simply want to report a crime and we want to provide that service efficiently. Please continue... To report crime in your area, local officers will continue to review closed reports to enable them to map local crime trends, and this may mean an inquiry is reopened and investigated. (laughs) Fucking bullshit, innit? Honestly. A spokesman for police, uh, for the Scottish government said, so this is the politicians, uh, while these decisions are a matter for the chief constable, it is via Police Scotland, it is vital Police Scotland continues to inspire public trust and maintains relationship with local communities. This will be crucial when the results of this pilot are examined to ensure local priorities continue to be met with no detriment to communities. And then they go on about funding. Funding's increased, apparently, year on year since 2016. Uh, yeah, Scottish Government has increased police funding year on year since 2016, investing more than £11.6 billion since the creation of Police Scotland in 2013. That must have been part of the devolution deal, I guess, was it? To hand policing powers over to the Scottish Government, uh, despite difficult financial circumstances uh, due to austerity. So, yeah, interesting. We're going to just sort of start scratching crimes off. Well, there'll be crimes, it's just that no one cares. (laughs) (laughs) You're on your own. Isn't that the case anyway? Well... Yeah. <clears throat> just official now. Just making it official, yeah. Just putting it out there, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, move on. Last one. What's the last headline? Do, 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 do. BBC's <laughs> difam- disinformation reporter lied on her CV. <sighs> Are you retarded? Who oh, is watching the watchers? Oh, well, this is it. Mariana Spring is the, is the culprit here. Now I saw this headline. Yeah, the BBC's disinformation correspondent is facing claims that she lied about her experience on her CV. Marianne Spring, 27, shot to prominence with her reporting on the way social media has been used to peddle false information. Peddlers. Oh, Peddlers. No. Ugh, dirty, filthy peddlers of disinformation. But she is now facing the embarrassment, embarrassing allegation that she gave misleading information herself. Claim of working with a respected BBC correspondent to try and secure work. Uh, according to a report, about five years ago, Miss Spring was trying to get work as a freelancer in Moscow for US-based news site Coda Story. Uh, an article in the New European said when she applied to the website's editor-in-chief, Natalia Antalava, in 2018... She'd said she'd worked alongside another 
Sarah Rensford, another correspondent, she made it up, basically, and she got shopped. And, uh... Oh, it's from five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's human. <coughs> I think the, the moral is, it's like, this is what happens when you set yourself up to be the arbiter of truth and, and uh, <laughs> integrity. Yeah. And we're all human and we all make mistakes and, and fuck things up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it shouldn't be placing... It's, it's the sheer fucking hubris of the BBC setting themselves up the to audacity. be this fucking... This, you know, oh, we know. We know what's true and what isn't. No, I'm afraid you don't. You're, you're, you're liable to thingy bias. What is it? Confirmation. Confirmation bias, prejudice, everything else like everyone else's. Well, Jordan Peterson actually was talking to somebody who was who he referred to as the mother of mindfulness, and I she was. She, did you listen to this one? Yeah, yeah. This was cool. a good. This was a good ep- episode. Very useful for me as well. Um, but she was. You turned me off. Was was it that boring? This is shit hot. Hurry up. Go on. All right. You're on. You're okay, in. that's fine. Um, she was talking about mindfulness. Well, she was talking about mindfulness, but basically uh, the premise of it was that she she told this story, didn't she? Do you remember about seeing the horse? She said she was at some kind of barbecue or something. She said this guy came over to her and said, uh, just hold my horse's reins, will you? I need to get it a hot dog. And she went, <laughs> what? Horses don't eat meat. The this herbivores. Is, yeah. And then, it, the you know, the guy got a, the, the hot dog for the horse and the horse ate it. What uh, the farage? Exactly. And, like, you know, she, her world was, you know, turned upside down. Like, I, I thought everything that I knew to be true is wrong. Unbesmegging leaveable. And then she gave another example, which is useful to think about, which is, you know, this idea of if things are always changing and, you know, there's no definitive truths out there. And she said, you know, like, a really basic one is one plus one is... Two! But are there some occasions when one plus one doesn't necessarily equal two? Yes. Yes. A cloud. Yes. Or a pile of laundry or two piles of laundry, she said as well, which was so, you know, she was kind of saying that this relates to your thinking in that if you wander through life thinking everything is set, then you're on autopilot. But as soon as you realize that everything's changing and different all of the time, then you are more mindful and everything can be new yeah. and you can always be learning. Essentially. It expands your perspective potentially. Yes. And your what you think is possible or, or not. Exactly. And including about yourself and other people and the world generally. Look, a fucking Yoda. Yoda said it. Only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> exactly. There are no absolutes. Yeah. But, you know, some would say, well, there is one truth. I'm the truth, the way, and the light. Yeah. And the life. Sorry. The singularity. You know, that old JC. That yeah. was when uh, truth became incarnate. And that's where it goes into faith, doesn't it? Yeah. Because um, there's some people who who find that path. And that becomes their truth, their anchor, if you like. An anchor, an anchor was an, uh, one of the original OG Christian symbols. So you go to the catacombs under Rome's, under Rome's, <laughs> under Rome, you have all these catacombs, you must have heard of them. 
like Da, Vin- uh, yeah. da Vinci Code, I think, talks about them and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> it's famous ones like the Catacomb to St. Callistus. Mm-hmm. It's one of the big ones. And uh, one of the most common symbols is an anchor. Mm-hmm. And it was representing your sort of, that was the Christian's anchor to their faith, to the reality. It was like, that's what it meant. Uh, it's a strange choice of a Christian symbol, but it's there. It's there in the earliest iconography from probably the apostolic era onwards. Well, on until, I mean, they stopped in, I think it was 410 when uh, Alaric came and sacked it all. <laughs> when when Rome fell, the, the mm. Western Empire fell. But yeah, there was some mad, um, mad um, shit <laughs> with those catacombs. They're massive. I know, yeah. They're absolutely massive. They're not just in Italy, though, and Rome. They're everywhere, aren't they? Yeah. Fossers, they were called. The sort of the Christians whose job it was to dig them. Mm. They were like ecumenical, but they were like lower than a priest. And they like were... on Father Ted. <laughs> That's an ecumenical matter, Father. <laughs> yeah, they were like Dougal. They were called fossers, and that was their job, and it was fucking dangerous, man. I bet it to was. dig those catacombs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they had a window in the top to let light in. And I just read a book on it, a really old book from, like, the 19th century, early 19th century, about the catac- catacombs. All right. It's good. Anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> let's let's move on. Let's see. Uh, talking to BBC, what's coming up next on my babe? First on BBC One, Prince Andrew becomes part of Jimmy Savile's dream team. Housekeeping. Here's some housekeeping. Mm. Housekeeping. This is a value for value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. And uh, my way, my favourite way of returning value, as always, is word of mouth. Telling people about this shit show. If you think they will gain something from it, um, sharing links online, wherever you are. If you're in uh, Facebook group chats, Discord servers, Telegram channels, wherever you are online where you spend your time, do us a favour and post some links and uh, help us spread the word and get more producers producing this, this shit. Yeah, I think that's a pretty solid way to start, isn't it? Absolutely. And anyone can do it. There's no excuse. <laughs> um, you could always sign up for the newsletter, couldn't you? Yeah, Rum Springer. It's a good one this month. Well, do you like it? I enjoyed. Yeah, I enjoyed your article this month. Um, what you was could, it about? Oh, back to school. Back, it? To school back to school, um, which has been disrupted somewhat this year for many pupils, including my eldest. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Go on. Um, so yeah, you can find out what's, what's coming up on the the month ahead. There are some memes in there. There are uh, some jokes and other things like that. Um, if you join the, us in the Element server, you can converse directly with us. That's not the only way, but it's probably the best way. Um, and you can also post links to news articles, uh, videos, clips, all that kind of stuff. Um, you can dingle the bell on YouTube. That's always a good thing to dingle, do. Dingle the bell? Dingle the I bell. Like I like that. Sub... Comment, like, share, smash, yeah, smash the bell as well. Smash it, yeah, that all helps, doesn't it? Uh, yep. You get a, a disc if you do sign up for the newsletter. By the way, you get a discount for the merch store, so you can pick up some wonderful stuff like this. This T-shirt here. You are the carbon they want to reduce. 
Yeah. So, you know, all uplifting um, kinds of things. Bacon nuts t-shirt, bacon nuts mug, three, we- three weeks to flatten the earth. It's my favourite. T-shirt. And a, just a based, literally a communist. Based Sigma Chad. Ironic sweat. Is it ironic? Because I'm literally a communist. Ironic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you get something to keep and we got to cut. Yeah. Um, leave us a review and send it to us because sometimes they don't come through and we don't really check anything anymore. Um, you can also email us at thearmishinquisition at gmail.com. If you yeah, worry. we get loads of stuff sent through on email for this part of the show. This is how you, you rescind your eavesdropping ways and become a producer by mm-hmm. uh, sending us information, doing all these things and sending us uh, stories for this part. And emails just as good a way as any. Get lots email, of stuff on email. Emails just as powerful yeah. Uh, media. Yeah. To send us things. Um, you could request a birthday shout out, make a guest suggestion, mm. or request some focused cheat. Now this is unique, as far as we know, to the Army's Inquisition. We offer a free service, whereby if your chi is depleted or you need topping up in your chi, or you've got something coming up which will require more chi being focused in your direction. An infusion. Of chi. Yeah. Um, you know, just let us know, and we will send that chi out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, free of charge. Yeah, contact us through all the usual channels, and we will implement that. Um, but probably the best way... Artwork? Is show, artwork? Uh, is probably doing... Show artwork. <laughs> yes, we have unique artwork every episode, and we encourage people to submit artwork if you're in that way, if you're that way inclined. Maybe you're familiar with the GIMP or Photoshop yeah, or whatever. Um, no submissions this week, so I knocked this one up based off the YouTube thumbnail. Look at that. I like it. That's pretty cool, isn't I it? I mean, who's in the middle? Is that supposed to be Zeus? It's Heracles. Is it Heracles? Yeah, it's yeah. Hercules in the middle there. He's conquering the Zodiac. He pops, doesn't he, from that? What have you done to make him pop? I, uh, the, what do you call them? Different layer. Layer. The layer that has that Zodiac on. Yes. I made, I turned its, uh, I went to layer settings. Yes. And turned the opacity to 50%. Wow. So it's 50% see-through. That's why Heracles pops. He does, doesn't it? Yeah, it's quite nice. Quite, yeah. I think did a decent job with that. And they've got the Milky Way there, exactly, just yeah. arching over the zodiac. Mm-hmm. So yeah, please send us show artwork if you're that way inclined. Yeah, um, <coughs> but probably the best best way is just to send us some money. Toss a coin Absolutely. to your witcher. So we know what we're doing. They we? know what they're doing, Lair. Oh, do it for lads, the lads, lads, lads. Go to the armistinggrishenton.com and find a PayPal button there. Or just look in the show notes. Click on the PayPal button, give us a one-off donation, or sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation. And it helps us keep the lights on, uh, pay the running costs, pay for the hosting and uh, Zoom and all the rest of it and the equipment and uh, keeps us going. Okay. Only you fucks out there can save Plotland. And keep, and, you know. Keep us operating. Keep the shit show going. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's thank them. Let's see. It won't take long. <laughs> let's thank the producers for episode uh, 295. 
It is 295. Yeah, it's time. It's time to big up the man Dems. Yo. Okay, producers for 295, we have a liar. <laughs> and Helen. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love, literally. Oh, Willie G. The best mate. Da, da, da. Because I'm literally a communist. Chungus never seems so sad. The dwarfs, the currants, the grape, the doctor of thugonomics. So sus, so sus. He vents to electrical. Homophobe. The wind. The giant fucking lenses. The chest feeding. Communist. Face the Sigma Chad. The baby penis. Inner asshole. These clockwork clowns. The dime bar. The number 11. The bee gun on the bus. The blind man. The big chungus. The cripple and the mother of... Honey bickering! From hell. Are you retarded? I don't get it, never will. Ross, the email address is the Army's Inquisition at gmail.com yeah dead easy yeah thanks for your support for another week um zero donations no yeah, donations there's, there's something going on isn't there with the I saw one come through no not this week oh no, no. yeah but they all used to come at, in the first week of the month didn't they the a lot come week? at the end of the month yeah people who are on monthlies mm-hmm. um which is fine, but yeah, zero. So we're losing. We're in the red this week. Wow. You know. I know, because I charge like 50 quid an hour. Exactly, like Gary. Yeah. I just paid him in bulk fast. <laughs> <laughs> bulk fast and... Uh, that's bulk below, fast that's, iron brew, that's below the belt. Iron brew cocktails. <laughs> do you do cocktails? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, pull your finger out. Christ, if it's, if it's only four quid, what value do you get out of this? This is the value for value proposition. If you find this valuable, if you can, return some value. Even if it's uh, a pound an hour. <laughs> That'd be a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a one-off. Because otherwise, it's not sustainable. No. I don't want to have to put things behind paywalls mm-hmm. and Patreon bonus rubber dicks on <laughs> content. But if we can't, if we don't get support on the value for value method, we'll have to change. So, you know. Wow. Saying there is a, a chill wind in the studio. <laughs> the fucking ain't is boiling in here. Yeah, and I just suddenly got chilly. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Oh. Right. Um, <laughs> ISOs. End of show. ISOs. Oh. I've How got, many have you got? Uh, Twenty this time. <laughs> No, three. Yeah, that's good. I've got three, um, if I can find them. What about, uh, we'll try this one first. Um, effing good job. You know what, you've done a f- good job because everyone else has sat on their arse and done nothing. Um, it'd be better if it wasn't beeped out. I couldn't find it. Okay, who is that? Do you not hear this story? No. Gillian Keegan, the education secretary, hot mic. No, I didn't know, no. Oh, my gosh, did I get the actual video? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Here we go. Every single one of them will be done. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. 
Does anyone ever say, you know what, you've done a good job because everyone else has sat on their and done nothing? No, no, no signs of that. No. What's that? What? It's Is in that relation big... to the concrete, okay. the rack concrete. She's so, a, she's education secretary. How long has she been the ed- secretary for? A week. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Well, they, they, they just flip him in every six months, don't they? Well, I was just listening to something on the radio here, and it's like Grant Shapps has been Defense. Mo- moved around like four times. He's been in each department for like two months or something. You have to do that because if you leave him too long in one place, you can control how much damage he can create, can't you? <laughs> keep him moving, keep him moving. If, if, if he's only in post for six months, there's only so much damage he can do, isn't there? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I think that's what most of the game is, isn't it? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Just, yeah, just... Just go away. Just go away. Just don't let the ma- spads sort it out. <laughs> Not even them. Just just don't do anything. <laughs> All you lot down in Westminster, just down tools. We'll be fine. Probably would be. Don't worry about it. The civil servants would be fine, wouldn't they? Yeah, she was interviewed. This is on ITV. It's like proper the thick of it, in the thick of it moment. Isn't I know, it? yeah, it didn't seem very real, did it, that? Well, I I think this is a, a ruse. I think she knows exactly what she's doing. To get some, what, some exposure. Because I thought she was like the woman who looked at Pooh in, in Tupperware. <laughs> what was she called? Maybe she does. Maybe. Oh. Did she run through a, a field of barley naked? Well, that's Theresa May, wasn't it? Dancing yeah, I don't think she was naked either. I don't know. That was a fantasy. This, to me, it looks like a sitcom. Yeah. And I think she's acting. I think she wanted to say this and she wanted to... She's not an idiot. She must have had some media training. She must have known that as, that as long as you have the Lavalier on your lapel. Lavalier? The Lavalier, the mic. Lavalier? Yeah. Lavalier. That's the name of the mic that you see all the newsreaders have. Lavalier. Clips onto your lapel. Lavalier. Yeah. Okay. Every single one of them will be done. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Remove the Lavalier. Does anyone ever say, you know what, you've done a f- good job because everyone else has sat on their ass and done nothing? No, no, no signs of that. No. She knows exactly what she's doing there, and she got lots, tons of shit for it, which is good. Okay. Just, you know, Gillian McKeith. Yeah, that was her. Anyway, that was one ISO. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you missed that story. I don't. I don't, I don't last I week. Try not to read or watch the news. Was it not on the element? I thought I'd post it. Anyway, right. fucking, let's get away from that. Okay. Um, oh, I've got a Biden. <sighs> I've got a Biden. It is what it is. It's like... He said it is what it is. Well, it is what it is because he is who he is. That's why it is what it is. <laughs> oh, fuck. It wasn't that bad, that one, actually. You know, he's done worse, hasn't he? May I ask you a question? Did you catch. Oh, that wasn't me. Uh, what what I like about it is that he's done this one before. So this is an old clip. This yes. has been on the board for ages. Yeah. Is what it is. Well, it is what it is because you are who you are. That's why it is. He said it is what it is. Well, it is what it is because he is who he is. That's why it is what it is. <laughs> okay. Not impressed. Well, I think this is the best. This is my winner. I think okay. it's definitely applicable for an end of the show clip. This is an incredible team. They are so good. They are an incredible team. I th- that 
That works. If it was possible to put the video in as well at the end of the show. Obviously. Because his little, it's his little eye movement that makes they that. They are so good. Watch. They are incredible, Tim. <laughs> the little slant eye. Yeah. The little sideways glance exactly. to someone. He knows it's for us. Yes. It's yeah. for you, boys. Or pet. Mm. So we'll have that one then. That'll yeah. be the end of the show. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, good show last week with Ryan. Yeah. And, uh, it was a marathon. I think it was about three and a half hours of value <laughs> that hope, we put out there. I hope um, it's been a lot more based and uninformed this week. Oh, yes. On our part. Yes. We, we part. did disagree, though, in the, um, you know, because we were talking about law and order at some point and... Uh, the, the TV and, show, not the TV show, the reality of the society. The reality we're living. TV show, <laughs> <laughs> and the nature of law and authority, and oh. and all this sort of thing. And I just thought that Ryan wasn't taking certain crimes seriously enough. Yeah, sentencing will occur on September the twenty second. Uh, he could get uh, a long time in prison for that. By really? The way. Yeah, like a decade. What? Why? Out, out in five or whatever. Because you're not supposed to, you know... It's, no, you're not, but... It's rape. <laughs> Someone's been raped. <laughs> yeah, channeled Ricky Gervais there he for did, that joke. It was a man who, who raped a cow that we covered last week. Oh, yes, that was a bit weird, that, wasn't it? Yeah. That story. I saw that one. Yeah, anyway, um, circle back. We'll circle jerk back <laughs> to uh, Gillian Keegan, the education secretary. Not Gillian McKeith. Not Gillian McKeith. How is is she the shit inspector? She, she's the shit Tupperware woman. Yeah, <laughs> you shit in a box. Yeah, I mean she. That's a bit like me sniffing the paper, basically. You do sniff the paper. <laughs> do you really sniff the paper? <laughs> no, do. I just made it up. <laughs> you fucking creep! <laughs> I believe you sniffed the toilet paper after wiping your ass. Do you say that your shit smelled great? <laughs> Your your own it's the aroma of one's own feces is <laughs> I would say less repulsive, instinctively repulsive than when you go into a bathroom and it, you smell someone else's shit. Is what I would say. Well, I'm sure someone else, the type of people you associate with, I'm sure the shit does stink. The slags, what do you expect from slags? The slags. A lot of them. No, I don't respect her. Clean yourself up. That's what you, you do. You dirty little rats. You chicken livered shit. Uh, back to Gillian Keegan, right? Okay. So she had this at the beginning of the week, this hot mic moment because of the fallout, because of the concrete, skills being short and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, fast forward to Wednesday, PMQs, and Kiros Dalma has some intel regarding Gillian Keegan and her office. And Mr Speaker, if you can believe it, in April this year, the Education Secretary signed a contract for refurbishment of her offices. (laughs) Here we go. These are the best ones, aren't they? Can you guess how much the contract was for the refurbishment of Gillian Keegan, Education Secretary's (sighs) offices? Not her orifice. Her office. Hundreds of... Is it going to be tens of thousands? Or hundreds of thousands? Really? Millions? 
How far we have fallen, Matt, check this. It's got a personal stamp of approval. It cost, I can't quite believe this, £34 million. Can he explain to parents whose children aren't at school this week? I love the extreme close-up. She's like, yeah, it was expensive wallpaper. Why he thinks a blank cheque for his Tory minister's office is better use of taxpayers' money than stopping stalls collapsing. Thirty-four million. Do you understand now why I say we're better off without them? How mu- How long would it take you, you know, for income tax, national insurance, to pay thirty-four million pounds? Several to, lifetimes to refurb. <laughs> This shit bag's office, man. That's what I mean, sir. It's a fucking black hole. <laughs> it's a fucking gravy train, man. It is a gravy train, isn't it? We'd just be so much better off without them. They have the, uh, the fa- it's the famous bar there, isn't there, in the, the House of Parliament? I believe they have an incredible <clears throat> wine cellar. Yeah, I know, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, but I'm just wondering... But, t- uh, oh, let me just say... Um, uh, and MPs' offices are generally in the constituency. Well, this is what I was going to say. So when you're saying that, uh, is it her constituency office or is it the offices as her, what would you, what, what's your, As a minister. As a, a the minister for education. It could be the ministerial offices. I'm just wondering if it's like the Department of Education in somewhere in Whitehall. I mean, that would be even better, wouldn't it? That would be even better if... It was the Department of Education that signed off this spending. <laughs> While schools' roofs are falling in, that the, the, the DFE have decided to green light a 34 million refurb of the ministerial office. You know, well, yeah, it's like my school, my son's school, he's just started, the yeah. younger one, sending out like begging emails um, <laughs> for toys and we stuff get like more, that. We have more non uniform days than soft mick. Because it means they get to raise 300 quid to buy some some fucking tennis rackets. Books, yeah, books. To buy books, to buy wooden toys for the reception class and things like that. It's just crazy. It is. It's it's a shit show, an absolute shit show. Anyway, should we move away from the UK? Should we go to China? Yeah, please. Let's go to China. There's some new, new laws... Uh, being proposed laws, laws. Or, or they discovered some law, law, yeah, law, L O R E, yeah, communist law, <laughs> yeah. which is being written into a law, right? Okay, um, that is coming on the books very soon in the People's Republic of China. But our next story is from China. The country has found a. Ve- this is from We On <laughs> World in One News, so you have to listen carefully. It's got a quite a thick accent. Mm-hmm. He's no uh, Palki Sharma Upade. They lost her. She went to a, a different firm. Right. Palki Sharma. She was ace. She was a, a wicked anchor. She was good, wasn't she? Yeah, scything delivery. <laughs> like Hugh Edwards. Oh, dear. Very interesting way to censor its people. Believe it or not, this has got to do with the kind of clothes that people wear. A new draft law proposes to ban speech symbols and also pieces of clothing that hurt the nation's feelings. Now, if you're confused, then you're not alone, because the people of China are equally confused. Now, Beijing feels that there are some types of clothing that can be dubbed as anti-national. 
And this has come after Xi Jinping had brought in a plethora of proposed changes to its public security laws. Now, this was the first time that such reforms were, in fact, have been brought in in decades. But there seems to be a common theme in this. The proposed laws are extremely vague, like the latest draft talks about the nation's feelings being hurt. But it does not specify as to what exactly leads to that. However, the draft is fairly clear about the punishment. If the law comes into force, then people found guilty could also be detained for up to 15 days and fined up to 5,000 yuan. That is about 680 US dollars. Now, the wake phrasing in these rules has, of course, created a very dangerous gap where people are not certain as to what could constitute as flouting. And the rights groups say that the government exploits this gap because the gap opens room for abuse and torture. So you can't have words on your clothing anymore. Oh, I think it's ambiguous. I think I just like I like that phrasing that your clothes hurt the nation's feeling. And well, therefore, it's unacceptable. There's, I've seen what you need is a grey smock. <laughs> well, that's what it used to be, didn't it? Yeah, they'd love to bring that in. You, you're an automaton. It's part of the communist mm. id. Yeah, yeah. You're just a part of the machine, man. You're a number. One death is a tragedy, a million is a statistic, Stalin famously said. Yes. It's like, talk about clothes that would... <laughs> I remember seeing, like, pictures of my mum and dad going out in the 70s, man. I mean, I mean, those those will hurt the nation's feelings, those sort of clothes. Really? Talk about a loud shirt, you can't really make like... yourself think. <laughs> Pink smocks. <laughs> Bell bottoms, what a tragedy. Tragedy. <laughs> hey. Yeah. 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 I remember your dad having some pretty nice shoes. And your wore dad... them. Some slip-ons, yeah. Some snakeskin. <laughs> some snakeskin slip-on. What would you call your... From not... the 70s. Loafers, no? Loafers, they would be called, yeah. He had loads of loafers. What happened to them? I don't know. They probably got thrown out. I wore, for a fancy dress, didn't I? I wore his pinstripe. I wore his suit from the 70s or the 80s. It was like a... Was it black or brown? It was like a mafia yeah. outfit, weren't it? It was like a, an orangey-red shirt with a massive... He had a, he kept all of his ties right into the 90s. But I suppose that's just like me having my belt from 2001. That's <laughs> <laughs> 20 years ago. Isn't it? I, so. I remember buying some white loafers. Nice. And going around Longridge with him. Wow. Not not as fancy dress. No, no, like in the pubs. Crikey, I got some comments. <laughs> These fucking white old man knackers pubs. Yeah. Yeah, fucking hell. Look at stones on him. <laughs> white fucking white fucking loafers, mate. They had a pub called the Bull and Royal, and they had like cowboy nights. Do you remember Phoenix Nights? <laughs> they would have nights like once a month. You mean when you said cowboy nights? You mean line dancing? <laughs> well, more than that, like people would come dressed up and they have guns and shit. <laughs> not, not real ones. No, but they like, didn't. It was like Western themed nights every month. They were famous for it. Why? Bull and Royal. Why? Because he's fucking mad at it. It's like we're in this fucking old mill town, this pagan mill town, mm-hmm. where they have they have, used to have pram race. I think they still do that. Right, okay. We erase, you have a pram race down Berry Hill. Mm-hmm. Berry Lane? Berry Lane. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of these villages, they have Field Day. Mm-hmm. You know about Field Day? I've heard of Field Day, yeah. Like uh, uh, Longridge, Grimsa, mm-hmm. Ribchester, Goosner. Mm-hmm. They all pick 
one weekend and it's like it's like um the wicker man <laughs> <laughs> they shut all the streets yeah and they have the, sh- the floats going by and they have a, a may queen right. they have like a oh right like okay. a, a sacrificial <laughs> lamb <laughs> a virgin it is a real link to the pagan festivals i think it is yeah i think it is yeah, then that's where it goes back to. That's why it's always in summer. And they probably just, you know, just say it's like the Virgin Mary or something. They have Christopher Lee mincing down, <laughs> mincing down the high street. Yeah, with his tassels. Yeah, yeah, weird, isn't it? Well, we're like, we're like suburban commandos, us, aren't we? Well, no. I don't, I don't think I'd <laughs> describe us as commandos. Suburban in between us. That was a reference to a film starring Hulk Hogan. I know it was a reference to. <laughs> A criminally un- underwatched nineties <laughs> masterpiece. I wonder, I wonder how many more suburban commando has on Rotten Tomatoes. None. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it when I was ten. Oh fuck! He was on Joe Rogan the other week. I know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I listened to a bit of it. He was a bit sort of. He didn't want to talk. He weren't very chatty to start with. Um. I think he's a bit broken, isn't he? He's had a lot of stuff going on, hasn't he? He's had a lot going on, yeah, yeah. physically and yeah. legally. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah. Interesting choice. He must have been promoting something. He's Maybe. into um, CBD and shit now, I think, isn't he? I think he has a chain. I don't know. Retailers or something. I, I, I didn't. Um, I've not uh, listened to it. No. Anyway, um, let's move on. Let's move on to happier news. The Transformers agenda. We've not done any on the Transformers for a while. Uh, California is really picking up the pace on the old Transformers agenda. Uh, Here's a report from Fox News. California now the first state in the nation to officially recognize a transgender history month. Uh, Today, lawmakers with... Heard of Black History Month, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, we've got Transgender History Month now. Then the state assembly voted to approve a resolution declaring August a Transgender History Month in California. That resolution was authored by San Francisco Assemblymember Matt Haney. Leaders are hoping that that designation promotes education and awareness surrounding the contributions made by the transgender community. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah. The whole month. August. The best month. Well, some people would say it's the best month. Well, it's generally the warmest, isn't it? So it is Pride July... I think Pride Month's July, isn't it? It's two two months now. So I'm going Pride into Trans Month. Thing is, I thought trans were covered in the LGBTQ plus IA. That's what the T is, isn't it? Yeah. LG. Well, they're special. They get an extra month just for themselves. Fuck the lesbos. This is just Trans Month. Fuck the lesbos. Well, that's part of the the thing. What? Part of the ideology, it's uh, conversion therapy. What is? It's, it's de-gaying people. What is that? People, the vast majority of these youngsters who go through these treatments would be are just gay. Yeah, but they're being converted and sterilised in the process. Yeah, going a bit dark there. Let's move on. Uh, I did. I did pull up this old because. Um, I always like this old clip of Morgan Freeman talking about Black History Month. I don't know if you've seen it. When I have on seen there. this, yes, actually. Larry, was it Larry King? I can't remember. Black History Month you find ridiculous. 
Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is white history month? Tokenization, isn't it? You're going to relegate it to a month? <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I, I've, yeah, I've heard this argument before. And I think it's, 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 it's true, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, come on, tell me. Well, uh, I'm Jewish. Okay, which month is Jewish history month? Uh, There isn't one. Oh, oh, why not? Do you want one? No, no, no. I I, I, I don't either. I don't want a black history month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? Stop talking. What a great question. What an interesting premise. How are we going to get rid of racism if we don't have Black History Month? What, yeah. what makes you think like that? I know. The, you need to have a Black History Month to get rid of racism. No, it It's bizarre. It doesn't go really like that, does it? I don't think so. Maybe some people do. Maybe some people totally disagree with Freeman here. Probably. Well, that's when I met Andy Dufresne. Month. Black history is American history. How are we going to get rid of racism? And stop children? talking about it. I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Alaku like says white, <laughs> doesn't he? He's a white man. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. You know me as Morgan Freeman. You as- I think a lot of people take umbrage where he says, stop talking about it. Mm. You know, I'm sort of, he loses me a bit there. I'm not sure that it would just go away if you stop talking about it. But then he clarifies and says, instead of putting out, instead of using these labels, we use labels. Mm. Skin color is a spectrum, man, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, you get to, you get people from um, like Scandinavia who are really pale or, People from maybe Celtic stock, mm-hmm. people with red hair and in Ireland, red beards, all the way through to sub-Saharan Africa. People are black like coal, and everything in between. It's just like a spectrum, like gender. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't help it. We can't help label. We can't. Maybe that's part of what we. It's part of like an identification thing, isn't it? I guess. Seems to be the way that our brain works. Yeah, it's like a comparative. <coughs> Categorization, basically. You're lighter than you, so you're light-skinned. You're darker than you, so you're dark-skinned. Mm. It's all fucking irrelevant. We're all just people at the end of the day. That's where I'm with him. But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting clip. Just, I don't think the interviewer was expecting that kind of... Uh, no, he made him... He seemed a bit uncomfortable, didn't he? Yeah. Anyway, uh, got a clip here of one of the... Transformer true believers here. This is pretty eye-opening. Right-wing extremists are into that gender binary, which is very oppressive. So I'm just going to, just really fast, I'm not a right-wing extremist. I'm actually a United States... Oh, you have an American flag on your shirt. I'm a United States... You have an American flag on your shirt. Therefore, you're a right-wing extremist. Uh, Anyway. States Air Force veteran. I won't interrupt it. I'm going to go back to the beginning and play it in, in its entirety without interruption. Gender binary, okay. which is very oppressive. So I'm just gonna just really fast. I'm not a right wing extremist. I'm actually a uh, United you States. You have American flag on your shirt. I'm a United States Air Force veteran. My parents are legal immigrants from the Middle East. I I don't give into the right wing. I'm not right wing just because I just I don't give into that. Like for instance, you're what's what's first. Well, of, do you believe there are two genders? 
Yes, I believe there's well, men. Then you're a right-wing extremist. That's not, that has nothing to do with being right-wing. There's men and women. If some people have gender are dysphoria... Are you currently... Did you wear a mask during the pandemic? I definitely did not wear a well, mask. Well, then you are a right-wing extremist. Oh, God, dude, I can't... Like, uh, I'm, I'm getting very uncomfortable here. I, I am already, you know, risking my life being here that you're not wearing a mask. Are you... Oh, this is... Uh, there's people who are really damaged out there, man. Hmm... I know we're dealing with extremes here. Yes. So maybe it's unfair to highlight extremes like that. Pass. Fuck it, I did it anyway. <laughs> anyway, right, let's move on. This is it. No? That is just ludicrous. COVID-19. People have got to understand that vaccination is going to be, in the end, your route to liberty. The magic vaccine. A big fat shot in the ass. From hell. Oh! You know, it's just, you know, super painful. Like a judgment day and terminating mode life. It's not going to allow us to go completely back to normal. Anal swab tests in the same ballpark as seasonal influenza. I can't serve you if you're properly wearing a face mask. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. We'll also have to learn to die with COVID. Just a quick check in with the mainstream because most of us have noticed that the messaging has been ramping up over the last three weeks, maybe three, four weeks. As we get into the autumn oh. and uh, boost campaigns and whatnot. So I've just got a little clip from this morning. You know, Holly's back on this morning. I thought she was back ages ago. It's been back a couple of weeks, I think. Right. I, th- I think, don't she have the summer holidays off? I generally? imagine so. It's like yeah. a cushy job, isn't it? Yeah. So I think she's been back. Maybe this is her second week back. Uh, with Alison, and uh, they were talking about the new, the Parola. Hi, Parola. This new, is the new variant. New scariants. Okay. <laughs> now, health officials across the globe are keeping a watchful eye on the new strain of coronavirus. Uh, the variant unofficially named Parola. Parola? Parola. Don't look at me. Parola has already been detected in the UK and has been described as the most striking strain since Omicron. Well, Dr. Zoe is joining us now with more of the story. And I think it's really important, whenever you mention coronavirus, I sort of feel that people just go, oh, gosh, not again. Rather than waiting to find out if it is dangerous... Let's vaccinate people a bit sooner, just, just in case. But yeah, there's nothing for us to worry about. Nothing for us to worry about. Go about your business as normal. But I would say, if you do have a cold, then think about things like hand washing, wearing a mask when you're out in public. And, you know, my advice would be to do a test. And if it's positive, then to isolate for, for three days. There you go. That's the latest advice. Where do you get your tests from these days? Because people are still testing. Like, so I've heard of people saying, oh, yeah, I tested myself and I got it. They uh, must be buying them. Do you think the people case? buy them or you just like ordered thousands? If they've got, you know, maybe they've got a dad like mine who has a stockpile. They're free. I'm fucking happy for him. I'm having them. He was at chemist every week picking them up. I didn't deliver it. Yeah. I told you, you want to get them on eBay. Yeah. Because I wonder what they are to buy. I, think, I bet they're be not a, cheap. How many was there? These are the lateral flow things, like mm-hmm. the pregnancy tests that you piss on. Aren't worth a wank, are they? But how many was in a a, a, a box? Was there three or four or something? It wasn't oh, just it one. Was in like the box. ten, wasn't there? Ten. Think so. ten back. Ten in a ten bag. Or was box. it seven? Or was it like a week's worth? How long did you have to isolate for? Uh, ten minutes was it? Maybe I don't know. 
So if there's 10, 10 tests in a box, yeah. you, you should be able to get 50 quid for that. Shouldn't you? On eBay? I bet you they're not cheap. I bet it's not cheap to go and pay for one. Right. I want to check the covers, because I'm sure my missus used to get them sent through post. Mm. Get them on eBay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's what you should do. If you've got a really nose or something, um, start masking up and uh, stay indoors. Isolate for three days. You know, I have been on a, <laughs> a rude run of good health. Wow, is it the Vit D? I don't yeah. know, it might be. Vitamin D injection. For uh, <laughs> a number of months recently. Well, it's summer, isn't it? You should be. Should be. I should be strikingly healthy. I think you should be. Uh, we tend to get ill in the winter. We're getting less mm-hmm. daylight. Mm-hmm. Um, I take my um, sheep wool vitamin D. Right. That's uh, where it all comes from, I think. Sheep's wool. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's gross. Um, so, you know. But Do you not take thing? anything else? Any other supplements other than vitamin D? Um, I take a multivitamin. Yeah, like the Hulk. And that's it. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins. I think that's, yeah, I just take a a multivit. That's it. That was a rhyme, wasn't it? Um, Yeah. What do you take? I've I've been slacking off. I've not been taking a bit today because I'm outside all the time in summer. So I get tons. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I need to. I should probably start taking it now. We're getting into September. Nights are going to be drawing in it soon. It is dark now for bedtime. Yeah. Um, I mean, particularly if if you live in our country, if you're in the UK, um, the darker your skin is as well, the more vitamin D you yes. should take because a lot of people don't probably aren't aware that um, melanin. Because who's the guy? David Grimes, Doctor David Grimes, we had on mm-hmm. years ago during the the, the naughtiness. The nonsense. Telling us all about vitamin D. And um, he was saying that the melanin, it, the more melanin you have in your skin, it acts as like a reflector for vitamin D. It, it interacts somehow with vitamin D uptake. Yeah. So people who are maybe from uh, African or Asian heritage who, who ancestrally would have been lived closer to the equator where they would have got more sunlight once if you move then to a northern latitude like the UK, Scandinavia, Northern Europe, your body's not mm-hmm. equipped in the same way yeah. to uh, soak in vitamin D. And uh, it was such an easy goal for the government to just start yeah. recommending vitamin D for, for people in in meaningful doses. Mm. Not a dose that's going to prevent you getting scurvy. <laughs> One that's going to actually help your immune system because it's an immune system modulator. Yes. So, yeah, vitamin D, we're coming to that time of year. People should mm. take it. Uh, I don't think we've anything to add on on uh, COVID. We'll Does just, sun cream uh, stop you from? Yeah, yeah, man. Just vitamin D. If it, I don't wear it. Vitamin D repellent. Yeah, if you put Fat to Fifty on, you won't get any. It's like Aussies. Mm. Uh, as far as I know, Aussies get vitamin D deficient right. despite all the sun. Okay. Yeah, it blocks it. Blocks right. the... So this is the process of tanning that releases the vitamin D. No, because I, I I think even. Um, you know, if you're out in the autumn, so it's not necessarily warm, but right. you're getting the sunlight. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I think this sun cream blocks the UV, and I think it's the UV that causes the vitamin D to be created, to okay. be absorbed. So, yeah, sun cream. Don't believe Baz Luhrmann. That was his, his famous song. 
Sun, sunscreen. Always wear sunscreen. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you should be... Obviously, if you're out in it all day and you're not a hardened redneck like me, you're going to get burnt if you just start going out in the middle of August with no sun cream on. So use mm. your, common, your common sense, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, use your common sense, yeah. you filthy animals. And if you don't get out, if you're a work-from-home junkie or an office bod and you don't get much sun, sun, sunlight other than half an hour at dinner or whatever, then think about supplementing. Yeah. Right. Speaking of the sun... Is it a deadly laser? It is a deadly laser, yes. Okay. But not to the climate change fanatics. Let's do some climate change. Some uh, there's a big climate bill coming up in the UK. In fact, it's going to the Lords on Tuesday. It's okay. been passed, it's already been passed by the House. Let's get a little clip. I think this is from GB News. Well, I, I take a rather different view, of course, to the energy bill. I think it's a horrendous bill. It's 379 pages. There's 144 pages of amendments have been laid, many of them in my name. Uh, it's really a bill of yesteryear. Uh, this was sort of founded on, on Boris, and, and he'd certainly drunk the Kool-Aid on many of these environmental issues, and not helped, of course, by the, uh, the, the statue instrument laid by Theresa May in her term of office, uh, which created this 100% commitment to net zero by 2050. But this is a truly horrific bill. It, it allows all sorts of intrusive powers, uh, Whitehall to tell you exactly what you must and mustn't do, I mean, I would rather it was scrapped and we start again. There's, you know, there's bits in there about new regulators for carbon capture and storage. Well, that's all. The scope of the bill is massive. Right. Uh, the title of the bill is like a paragraph long. <laughs> very well. Why not let's just have a very simple bill discussing carbon capture and storage? This has become what I call a, uh, a Christmas tree bill with all sorts of baubles all over it. But now this one, uh, Andrew and Bev, this will make your hair curl. Uh, I'm particularly concerned uh, about Clause 248. It's helpfully called sanctions, so you know what's in it. Uh, let me just read out what I find completely offensive. Uh, under Section 2, uh, there are civil penalties up to £15,000 oh, for not doing the right thing <laughs> on net zero. But this is even worse. In Clause th in Subsection 3... Energy performance regulations, not yet written. These so we heard of these EPC certificates that you get when you're renting a house or yeah. selling it, or you want to remortgage your house. Mm. This is what it's related to. It will be statutory instruments in the future by ministers of the future, and we know that statutory instruments don't always get the, you know, the proper attention, uh, not right. like being on the floor of the House of Commons, but energy performance regulations may provide for criminal offences with imprisonment... For up to 12 months. What? So just... Now, I'm appealing to the Speaker to allow my amendment to actually take this out of the bill. Now, let me give you an example. I don't know about you, but I rather like Shawshank Redemption, a great film. It's in my top ten. Oh, that's a callback, isn't yeah, it? It is, isn't it? Yeah, you see. Morgan Freeman. Just, List. Uh, just imagine the old <laughs> lags of the future... And they're discussing around the, the, you know, the dinner table. Well, what are you in for? Mm. Oh, well, I, I, know, I did a benefit fraud of 50 grand, got eight months. Well, what about you? Oh, dangerous driving, caused serious injury, I got six months. Uh, well, what about you? 
oh, well, I lost my business, homes gone, families disappeared, I had to put 20 people out of work, uh, all because I didn't have the energy performance certificate required and I got 12 months. I mean, I'm a conservative for freedom, not to put people in prison for not adhering to this new net zero religion. This is a horrific bill. How? It should be scrapped. Uh, it should be parked in the Lords if it gets there and never see the light of day again. No, it's already there. It's been read to the Lords, I think, on Tuesday. The MPs have all passed it. All Labour abstained. The opposition mm. abstained en masse. Wow. So, uh, in fact, we got an email uh, recently um, with a, a, like a tally of the MPs who voted. I don't know if I'll be able to find it on the fly like this. Is it the broader bill? I mean, we can have a look at this. This is uh, this is from UK column. Uh, move on to this. I've been talking about uh, the types of legislation. Uh, that have been coming through Parliament uh, in recent months. And, uh, uh, you know, of course, I'm making the point here, you can't look at any individual piece of legislation uh, in its, uh, as a singular thing and not be concerned about what else is going on uh, in the country. I want to add another uh, piece of legislation to this list now, and it has been getting a little bit of media coverage over the last couple of days, uh, and that's the energy bill. Now, just to give an idea of uh, what this is, Let's just read the preamble to the text of this. It says, it's a bill to make provision about energy production and security and the regulation of the energy market, including provision about the licensing of carbon dioxide transport and storage, about commercial arrangements for industrial carbon capture and storage and for hydrogen production, about new technology. This is the title of the bill. <laughs> this is the scope. Including low carbon heat schemes and hydrogen grid trials about the independent system operator and planner, about gas and electricity industry codes, about heat networks, about energy smart appliances and load control, about the energy... Smart appliances and load control is an interesting one there. Uh, we did get an email that this might apply to smart meters. They that, can that... turn you off kind of thing. Uh, I don't think so. So in the terminology of the industry, electrical installation industry... When you say appliance, that means current using equipment. Mm -hmm. So an energy smart appliance would be your washing machine, your dishwasher, your microwave. Mm -hmm. I think this is foreseeing a future where your appliances will be able to alter their operation due to blackouts, spikes in voltage. Because our grid is not, is fucked. Right, how many electric cars do we have? Is it like 20, 15% of cars are electric? I didn't even think it. I thought it was like, yeah. 10? Yeah. Yeah, they want it to be 100? No fucking chance. Can't mm. hack it. We yeah. haven't got the infrastructure and we, we won't have any time mm. within the next 100 years, probably, unless they just rip it all out, start again. We'll have a great reset. <laughs> so I think that's what the, the um, smart appliances Performance. About of premises about uh, the resilience you see, of the... Because it says load, load control. Mm. So that's the load of... The famous example is uh, when the adverts come on in Coronation Street mm. and there's a massive load exertion on the grid because everyone puts the kettle on and your kettle's mm. 3 kilowatts, 13 amps, and the grid can't hack it. Mm. So you have lights dimming mm -hmm. because everyone's put the kettle on at the same time. It's like the same thing will happen when 20 million people plug their car in but to the oh, nth oh, degree. Oh, that's dim now. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's yeah. uh, it's 
it's totally unstable. <laughs> They're hoping that these smart appliances are going to be able to manage this oh. somehow. Mm-hmm. In a future utopia <laughs> where appliances, where you put your dishwasher on, right? And it and notices the grid is struggling. <laughs> and it, it down rates. It just goes down 100 RPM. Right, okay. You know, or drops the heat. Yeah. You know, it's it's not absolute nonsense. Core fuel sector about offshore energy production, including environmental protection. So that's licensing increasingly that, with bills that are going thing the, we seem to be grabbing from the United States. That's the title of the bill, but let's go further to uh this is the, the key stuff. Premises, the Secretary of State may pit make regulations for any of these purposes. So first of all, may make regulations. This is about what happens in the future. So the bill doesn't actually say what the Secretary of State's going to do. Through secondary legislation, that's statutory instruments, he's going to do stuff in the future. And those purposes might be enabling or requiring the energy usage or energy efficiency of premises to be assessed, certified and publicised enabling a requirement requiring possible improvements to the in the energy usage or energy efficiency of premises to be identified and recommended and c restricting or prohibiting the marketing and disposal of premises on the basis of whether their energy usage or energy efficiency has been assessed certified or publicized this is already coming in i think it's 2025 if you rent a property out i think it has to have a c epc c I'm or sh- higher I'm sure that, oh, right, okay, so you have to, right, so it can't be like, well, that's the thing, surely, is there not a, is there not like some kind of ratio, so, you know, my house was built in the 20s, say. So it's shit then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so. No, it's it's leaky. So you've got to do as much as you can to it in order for it to have, do you know what I mean? There's a, there's a ceiling, isn't there, to what I could do to my house versus a modern house. Um, have you tried knocking it down and building it back better? Build back better. Build it back better with insulation and heat pumps. I can, <laughs> I can build it back better. Uh, well, you're going to have to move to a 15-minute city while so you're that, doing that. But I'm just wondering if, you know, what it, what they're kind of saying is, well... If you live in a house like that, well, you've got to, you know, it's some, unfortunately, it's some, the, the, the old lady before us had the thing, the retrofitted uh, insulation put in the walls, you know. Where Cavity wall insulation. Yeah. Right. It's full of uh, cotton wool or whatever. And then, you know, it had like the stuff in the, in the attic. Like in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a foot deep or whatever. Yeah. Um, it made all the difference. And then, so, you know, would they say, like, um, get rid of you, put a new front door on? It's got, the, you know, the wooden front door, one seal as well. Get rid of all your single glazed windows. Double glazing, yeah. All the, all the, uh, the UPVC that's in, most of it's blown and it's, like, 26 years old. So right. would they say, like, you know, you have to... That's only about 20 grand, isn't it, for new new UPVC? Exactly, yeah. So you, is that what they're saying? So you know, Let you them know, eat Teslas. <laughs> so to get it to see, you've got to do all that stuff. I don't know. Um, we've never not had one done since we moved in. Mm. Have you had one done recently? Do you know what your rating is on your house? No, but I, I have noticed it when I've looked at houses that they all have, when they're for sale on right move, they you all have, to... have an EPC thing. Well, the key word is marketing there. Mm. You won't be able to market your house. If it doesn't have a valid certificate. Well, I'm just wondering if that's not already the case. Yeah, I, I think maybe... You can uh, be charged for it now. <laughs> these are things, you know, it's it's two steps forward, one step back. You know, right. they're making it law now. Exactly, yeah. yeah. With 
you know, fines and imprisonment if you don't comply. Wow. It's like I said on the on the element, a cabin in the woods just looks more attractive every single day. Do you know, I fucking told you about that cabin that came with a lake in France and it was like 17,000 euros. We could have we could have dick dick strawbridge that shit, couldn't we? Exactly, yeah. It was like it came with like 5 <coughs> acres or more. Start uh, a commune. A lake and a little hut in a forest next to the lake. You can't get Bob Osborne down. Can I have a monkey called Wanker? Yeah. Oh, oh, you should have said that at the time. I'd have been sold. Sell up. Leave this shit bad country. I fucking told you. <sighs> you didn't sell it. I need to be in France. Oh! In well, France. Maybe, that's the, maybe that was what's holding me back. Being in. Why, well, you don't want to buy your bread every day? You want to go down to the boulangerie? I have, I have bad memories about France. Right, Arthur. Is he, was he in the First World War? Yeah. Okay. He was. In France. Yeah. That's what put me off. The French, obviously. Right. Well, I'd, I'd live in France. Just putting it out there. There's more There's more to come on the climate bill. Uh, we'll see what happens in the Lords next week, whether it gets uh, pushed back. But, I mean, that's the thing. You see, our second house is 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 loathed to interfere with the parliamentary process. Because we have a vibrant parliamentary democracy where the opposition abstains en masse. Honestly. I know, yeah. It's a sham. Mm -hmm. It's a complete sham, the political system. But, you know, people get so riled up about it, like it even matters. (laughs) They're all a bunch of cunts. Anyway, shall we... we, Let's get off that. It's it's time, time to go. Oh, it's time. It's I late. mean, it's way over. It's late. Got early start tomorrow. First day of high school. Ooh. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Let's um, before we go. Let's just check in with our intrepid digital reporter Emma Downey from the Langtree Evening Post, because uh, yeah, she does the uh, the weekly news update. I'll start getting okay, a little clip here. An elderly man from Wigan has escaped with. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? I mean. Uh, we can't be bothered today or something. What's to, going on? To, to even put some clothes on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a serious injury despite sliding 18 feet down an embankment and sparking a major 999 call out. Police, ambulance, two fire engines, and the fire service technical rescue unit were all mobilised to a break between Browning Grove. Mobilised. Mobilised. <laughs> <laughs> mobilised. She's got a beautiful accent. I do, I do enjoy your yeah. Irish accent. He's such a perv. Our engines and the fire service technical rescue unit were all mobilised to... Oh, there's a bit of... Uh, that's called vocal fry. <laughs> You'll notice this with certain ladies. Men don't generally do it. But certain ladies, when they're talking, they'll do a little... Uh, uh-huh. It's like... Uh, slip it in. Uh. Right. We're all familiar with that noise, gents, aren't we? Fire engines and the fire service technical rescue unit were all mobilised to a break between Brian Grove and Martin Crescent, Standish Lower Ground at 8.40pm yesterday evening. Relatives of the casualty who is in his mid-80s raised the alarm after being unable to bring him back to safety themselves. Why, why, why An elderly oh. man... Why is she just reading out an article from the newspaper? This is... Oh, God! 
Just spelt. I just spilt uh, chocolate stout on the on the roadcast. Oh no! Um, this is what they do every day. It's, it's your daily Northwest News update. Oh, do you, is this one of your wank rolls? <laughs> <coughs> I just thought, and I know it's been hot and shit, but she could have at least put some clothes on. She does look naked, doesn't she? I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm kind of in love with Emma Downey. What are you you looking for there? You're looking for a side boob or something. I'm just trying to see if it's like a turtleneck. Is it like a an off the? No. Is it like a boob tube? That's her skin. Is it just so hot? She's just doing it naked it's in the bathroom. She's going. Ah, oh, fuck it. They... From Wigan has escaped without serious injury. Just. Yeah. Right. So. Okay. Well. I think it's about time we signed off. I'm fucking, uh, I'm boiling. Come on then. I'm knackered. All right. I'm, I'm even ta- more knackered next week. <laughs> wow, what's happening next week? You're going now, aren't you, on Saturday? I'm a Spartan warrior. I'll be fine. Mm. But tonight, I'm, I'm tired, boss. I'm tired, boss. Oh, don't play that. Why? It makes me cry, that film. Oh, that one. Oh, dear me. So, we'll be back next week, won't we? Yeah, who we got next week? I think it's Devo, isn't it? Mark Devlin. Might be Mark Devlin. DJ Mark Devlin. Yeah. Uh, Fresh from, well, fresh. He's been all over the country for the last uh, several weeks. Right. Laying down the law. Blowing people's minds. Dishing out musical truth. I just realised... What? R2-D2 is overflowing with toilet tissue. And fag ash. <laughs> I've not emptied that for years. That'd be years old. Years of... Jizz. Baby, baby <laughs> fills. <laughs> It'd be like that scene from... Uh, oh, that scene where all the babies get torched. Not oh. babies. Not babies. <laughs> I can't forget what I'm thinking of. Aliens. Yes, the eggs, yeah, the face huggers. I love that where she looks at the queen, like, yeah, she's about to walk out and leave her to it, mm-hmm. and then she got she, the hatred in her because these evil aliens just look so much. <laughs> salt the earth, your eggs are having it. You yeah, Genghis Khan. Yeah, salt the earth, you dirty bitch. All right, we'll we'll see you next week. You're right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. See you soon. Anna El Etifaki. See you soon. Fuck me. (laughs) 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 Give me something for the cringe and let me die. Oh, fucking hell, yeah. Oh, gosh. Baby. Baby. Big baby. baby. Just get on with the game. Baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See you next week. We'll, we'll be, be here. here. Do you care though? We will be there. We'll be here. PSG. We will be there. We will be there. We will be there. We will be there. Anna El Etifaki. See you soon. And these guys, I mean, they're having fun now, but my goodness, they've also got a dark side. El Etifaki. Etifaki. El Etifaki. What's wrong with the dog now? <laughs> 
<sighs> I came out into the front yard and the dogs were across the boat. And as soon as they saw me, they came bounding over. <laughs> and I just made it into the front door in time. I was petrified. Right, smell you later. Yeah, Are you not entertained? The ultimate puss party. You dirty bitches. Building back better. You're a big jungus. Look at it, you growlers. Based Sigma Chad. Who's got the biggest cock. Thank you for watching. Booty teacher out. Literally a communist. Booty teacher out. Bonkers. I was gonna put him in a Excuse me, foot. Oh my god, he's wiped his ass. No. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. They are so good. They are an incredible team.